Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. Get it in front. Tarasenko to Butchnevich. They shoot. They score. Allen made the initial save. Comes right back. Butchnevich puts it in. Butchnevich. Tarasenko in the slot. Barbashev. He scores. Power play goal for Ivan Barbashev. In the middle. They bring it to Tarasenko. He scores. Ninth of the year for Vladimir Tarasenko. Here we go. BK and Ferrario. Not really. It's Kerber and Rutherford. It doesn't have the same ring. But no, it doesn't. It, it doesn't have the same ring. But nonetheless, it's what you've got for the next three hours. You've got Brandon that's still celebrating nuptials. You've got Alex taking care of some family stuff. And so instead, you get a mouth. You get a typist. <laughs> you know, and uh, and who the hell knows what else is going to happen. Man, I got, uh, I'm ready to go for three hours, Jeremy. And I'm going to tell you something. I, I know we, we've got... A fun show coming your way. We've got Jamie Reed joining us live from London, talking a little Fulham. We'll talk some soccer. We'll talk some World Cup qualifying with him. Uh, there's no way I'm filling in for two days and not, you know, giving the soccer community a, a little bit of love here because I disagree. See, there, there was a time. There was a time not all that long ago, you know, when when there was somebody around this radio station that had the belief that, no, our, our marketing says that as soon as we start talking hockey, you know, the, uh, the the ratings drop. And I've always thought that was pure poppycock. And uh, and we have since totally proven that to be exactly what I said it was. You know, so we got a, we got a good soccer club that's going to be coming into St. Louis now. And I think I think we got to keep feeding that beast. And I love it. And so I've become a fan of Fulham. I watch almost every single of their games last year uh, or last road trip in Florida. It's 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm sitting next to the pool at the hotel overlooking the Atlantic Ocean. And I've got the soccer game on my iPad, you know, while I'm sitting next to the pool. So I'm all in, and we're going to talk about that at 1130. We've got Joe Vitale joining us at 1215. And um, the Big Big campaign is still going on. We need more guys to be big brothers. And so we're actually going to be joined by somebody who is a big brother. I can't wait no, for that. That's, that's going to be at 115 here this afternoon. And... Um, uh, I, I've got I got so many sports things bouncing around in my brain right now. I don't even know where you I want to start. Do. I know I don't I don't even I don't even know where. To, how the hell are you, bud? Yeah, I'm not doing, glad doing I get to do well. three hours with you again. This this is awesome. Yeah, I see you at the rink, but uh, this is the first time in a while at the studio. So looking forward to no. You, you lined up uh, Jamie Reed. Speaking of the word poppycock, that sounds like a British word. I want to hear his accent. Let's it's a salad say, dressing. Let's get him to say poppycock with his accent. Are they allowed to say it? 
Is, is it a bad word over there? <laughs> Sounds like it should be. Sounds like it should be, but, uh, you know, no, he's, uh, he's he's actually, I've gotten to know him a little bit through texting, through uh, through some conversations, and uh, I'm, I'm enjoying it. And we've had him on before. We've had him on before, and the, the, the fans have had a terrific reaction to him coming on. Hey, and speaking of guests, Joey Vitale, you know him better than anybody. He's your partner here at 101 ESPN in the broadcast booth. I listen to him every week when he does his hits with the different shows. I want you to explain, where does he get this energy? And he always seems like he's got something to say that you don't know is going to come out of his mouth. So in the last two weeks on our broadcast, I've learned about pirates and why pirate captains wear an eye patch. I called bunk on that one. Um, we, we did talk about the sea of tranquility, but that was because a texter in a postgame show texted it into Randy Carricker. You know, we taught Joe that the sea of tranquility is actually, you know, a, a spot on the moon. Um, yeah, you just you, you never know exactly what's coming out. And on the last broadcast, okay, you know how weird things just pop into your head from time to time? Yeah, I've and, known you for 15 yes, years. Okay, and, and this does happen, right? So um, when the linesman got popped to the bench in that last game in Dallas, and then he, he, he landed in the bench to avoid the check, then he jumped right back over, and it was real quick. And I kind of started laughing in my head, and all I thought of was Foghorn Leghorn coming out of the pot when he got put into the, the hot pot by the chicken hawk, because I had seen that cartoon apparently recently. And uh, and so I said it. So I said, wow, that linesman came right back out of the blues bench like Foghorn Leghorn out of a pot of water put in there by the chicken hawk. And I look over, and Joe gives me, we'll ask him about this at 12.15, he gives me this look like, where the hell did that come from? <laughs> and you look around, and and there's our engineer who's probably a little bit older than I am. I'm 50, right? So he's he's somewhere in that. He's probably in that late 50 range, and he's almost crying. He's laughing so hard. Go to the break. He goes, I did not think when I came to work a hockey game tonight I'd be hearing <laughs> Foghorn Leghorn references. So I, I don't know where some of the stuff comes from. Oh, that's great. But it's, uh, it's a ton of fun. Hey, you know one thing? Um, what? We'll, we'll, We'll get into plenty of hockey here as we go over over the show. I'm driving in and I'm I'm thinking this. I just what 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 the hell is wrong with the sport of football? Like I I was actually really thinking this when when you see the Jacksonville Jaguars fire Urban Meyer. You didn't even you didn't you didn't have to do more than a surface level check to realize that you're hiring a bad character guy. Right? It just I agree. it just doesn't take much. I, I know he's won in different places, but it just doesn't take much. And you have to think that in today's world, you know that bad character is going to blow up on you. There's no room in, in, in the public atmosphere for the bad character faces of franchises now, whether it be from a player or from a or from a coach. So it's it's not a surprise to see it go south. Urban Meyer's an absolute moron for how he's handling this stuff. The, the, the bar crap earlier the, the season, staying behind. Should say have been you're the end of see, it. That easily should have been the end of it. You know, and then then now you hear the stuff coming out about his coaching staff. And now you, it, once somebody lets go, the air comes out and everybody lets it go. No, you know, no different than when, you know, Darcy Regeer was the, the general manager of the Buffalo Sabres, for example. And then after 20 years, he left and then people started talking about this or that. Or, or maybe, you know, just, just what you hear when, when some of these tight regime guys end up leaving. But but I, I asked the question, like, like at, at what point, like, does this football machismo attitude finally go? 
Like, you can play the sports. You can do the sports. You can be successful at it. But the kind of attitude and the, the dictatorship approach of some of these coaches and stuff is so old school and outdated. Football's got a problem that is so bad right now, it's not even fun. Yeah, Curbs, especially with uh, the story, you know, the uh, the dialogue back and forth between Urban Meyer and the kicker Lambo, as it was reported, you know, he kicks him, he says, don't effing kick me. And then he says, I'm the ball coach, I can do whatever I want. That's that mochismo right. a- attitude that you're talking about. And, and that's got to be something, and we don't know all the behind the scenes, but that's got to be something that was known internally that took place because there, there was something filed and then now you have a situation where like you said everything's going to come out once the bar thing happened you should just wait for the onslaught of stuff to come out after that they get the nfl gets rid of jerry richardson because of how things are being run i'm not sure how daniel snyder survives all the stuff in there and then for the fact that the the latest report on on the from the washington post coming out about them trying to silence witnesses with payments and stuff like that and roger goodell saying no that's not really the case Okay. First off, we know we don't believe anything coming out of Roger Goodell, or less especially, than that. Especially, yeah. or especially since you have to believe fullheartedly he was the one that easily leaked the John Gruden stuff. Hundred percent. And uh, and I just I just look at it from top to bottom. I, I go back and and I know I don't let this go to like I go back to that, you know, the issue we had with the youth football team, you know, down in um, um, oh shoot, I'm blanking in the area now. I can't believe the the. the Ah, uh, the owls. Uh, when when the, when the coach, you know, at the girls' soccer practice I was at, kicks it. Um, Patterson, the coach, you know, kicks it. Well, and he didn't do it. His one of the other coaches kicks one of the girls' cones out of the way, you know, because they were sharing the TV of the team with a, a girls' soccer field, and they didn't believe that they should be doing that. I mean, th- those kind of things. There's just there's just such an attitude that just makes me despise that sport in so many ways. Yeah, I, I just I, it just. And Curbs, here's the one thing I always say to everybody, whether it's hockey, whether it's football, baseball, you know, these are the stories that come out. These are the ones that surface and find themselves, uh, find their way into the headlines. I firmly believe that we probably actually see and hear 5% of what's going on. Maybe less. Less I would agree with you. Behind the scenes. Maybe less. Here's a question. Do you think it, should it, should it matter? Like, I guess, here's, here's where I say, here's where I say, once I vent like that. Okay, then then you see, well, you know, should it matter? Like like you said, we're, we're only seeing four or five percent of of the of this kind of just stupid behavior. And I get to the point where I'm like, yeah, you know what? Being a decent human being should matter. Where we should really worry, we we should really start to worry when being a good person no longer matters to us. And and that's. You know, that's where it goes. I'm actually one of the things with a lot of some of the social climate of what's happened in sports recently, I'm encouraged by is we're starting to weed out some of the junk like this. You know, at some point, at some point, you're just you're just weeding out some of just some of the junk. I, you know, even when you hear you hear Murray in, in, in Anaheim, the longtime general manager. Okay, the NHL set up a hotline. A hotline. The NHL, yep. the NHL set up a hotline. For any anybody in the in the league, can call and report behavior that just shouldn't be happening, and then it gets looked into. That happened. They get Anaheim kind of got tipped off. Hey, this is coming. They looked into it themselves. They took care of it before it became a lot worse from the league. I then talked to some people, kind of that that were around that organization for a little while, and it corroborated what what was called in. You know the the way. Certain players are treated the way certain people in the organization were treated. If you got on the guy's bad side, I no longer feel bad for people like this. 
I, I no longer feel bad where because you can put your thumb on somebody and pin them down, you do it. I, I don't think it's a necessary way to be as a person, and I certainly don't think that in, in today's world, it, it, it's going to work anymore. Well, and that's what's shown me, uh, given me a little faith, Curbs, is that when these situations do pop up with, you know, whether it be an executive or a coach or, or somebody, the fact that I think the public opinion starts to come out and everybody else is in favor of weeding these people out, that does give me some faith and kind of where we're going. And but we that's not, it, and, and this is different than cancel culture. Right. That's what I wanted to get to. Right. Yeah. This is, it's a very different thing than, like, Urban Meyer is not. Urban Meyer never coaching again in college, which we know is not going to happen. You know he's going to coach in college somewhere. But Urban Meyer never coaching again in college would not be cancel culture. Right. That'd be you earned it. Yeah. There's a difference. Yeah, you can't throw out the cancel culture in this situation. I do believe that exists, but you can't throw it out in situations right. like this where these guys are, are absolutely earning it. And to go along that same point, you know, I don't want a situation where somebody's calling up the NHL hotline and saying, hey, Curbs took my burrito and, you know, things like that. You know, this is meant for true issues. And there are a lot of true issues out there, they are. and people feel a little afraid, a little scared within an organization to point these things out, and, and the hotline allows you to do that. As long as the investigation into these phone calls is, is fair, and they take uh, the appropriate time to look into it, then, then I'm all for it, and you know, it, it worked in Anaheim. Speaking of hotlines, okay, have you have you seen those Butterfingers ads where there's that phone number? No, but I like where this is okay, going. Okay, you haven't seen those ads yet? Huh. There, there's an ad. I've, I've, been dying, I've, been, I've been dying to call. So, there used to be there used to be a one eight hundred number on a can of Bud Light, and it was one eight hundred dial Bud. Okay, well, there, and and you knew people were going to call it, and I was one of the dumb ones that did once. Uh, so, uh, I actually I called up. We were watching the Stanley Cup Finals in the minors, and we we had had too few, and I saw the number. I, I saw the number, so I I called it up. Very nice lady answers the phone, and she says, "Anheuser Busch," and I said. Um, I've got a Clydesdale in my living room, and I don't know what to do with it. And without without skipping a beat, she says, have you considered calling the Humane Society? Oh, my goodness. And I said, whoa. I'm like, I didn't expect that response. She goes, and I learned, for, actually got into a great conversation, learned from them. They're actually, they were actually trained to handle certain levels of crisis management in case somebody called depressed and, and things. And now, now I feel really horrible, you know, pranking this 1-800 number and, and, and doing that. Ended up with a great <laughs> conversation and, and learned a lot more about what they did. So it was a learning experience. But no, there's a Butterfingers commercial out there that says, um, if you've seen somebody coming down the the the, uh, the escalator, like if somebody stole steals your Butterfinger, call the number. <laughs> I'm thinking we got we got to look this up, and I'm thinking somewhere in the one o'clock hour. Let's, let's call, call the later number. In the show. Let's let's call the number yeah. <laughs> and see what we get. What do you, you want to do? I'll it? do it. I'll All do right, it. let's do it. All right, yeah. in the one o'clock hour, we're gonna we're gonna call and report that somebody stole our Butterfinger, <laughs> and we'll do it. All right, we got to take a break. When we come back here on BK and Ferrario, COVID. It ain't going away. We know that. But we may be hitting some other levels that is causing some concern, and it's also causing some lunacy. But that said, the impact on the National Hockey League, the impact on the Olympics, it's real, and it is right in front of us right now. We'll come back. We'll get you what Jeremy has heard around the league. We'll get you what I have heard, and we'll get you caught up on all the different scenarios that could be going on when BK and Ferrari returns on 101 ESPN. This is exactly where you want to be listening to us. It's BK and Ferrario live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. The bottom of the eighth. Oshi and Bobrovsky duel again. Score! Team USA! 
USA wins! Curbs, uh, this was such an amazing performance by T.J. Oshie right at the Olympics when he, yes. he scored all those shootout goals. Just a, a quick story from that day. So I had like a home refi scheduled for that morning, and I purposely scheduled scheduled it for that day because uh, the Olympics were going to be played. So I didn't have to cover the Blues. I didn't have to write anything. And my boss at the Post-Dispatch at the time said, only if any of the Blues do anything will we, <laughs> will we need to bring you into action and write the story. So I think I had to cancel my refi because of T.J. Oshie and then spend the entire day on the phone with his dad, his wife, his family, and write this big story about his performance. It was definitely worthwhile, don't get me wrong, but you don't expect that going into the day like that. I was down at Epcot with Christy and the girls, and... We come out of one of the countries, and we're walking towards, I forget, one of the rides, somewhere near the front. Maybe it was planet Earth. And on that walk, and I've got a blue quarter zip on, so i got the blue logo on the left side. And on that walk, I've got to have 10 people stop and see that and go, go blues, or yell, <laughs> oh, she, oh, she. And I finally, I thought we just stopped in the middle of, you know, I don't know what you, we just stopped in the middle of the park, wherever we were at. And I said, I said, okay, hang on a minute. There is no way we've just run into all these St. Louis blues fans down here. Hang on, Christy. I got to look at what's going on. And I figured, I, w- I mean, look, I'm at Disney World with the kids. You pay that ticket price. I'm not worried about the Olympics and what's going on. I'll get caught up on everything at night when they're asleep and, you know, and you're back in the hotel. And I start to pull it up and I see what he did. And I went, oh, my goodness. And while I'm doing that, another guy walks up to me. He goes, you a Blues fan? I went, yes, sir. He goes, he goes do you know T.J. Oshie? I go, actually, I do. And he goes, are you kidding me? And he's just, I mean, the next thing you know, it's a half hour later, and, is, and, and we have like two or three people around us wanting to talk hockey. That is the, was the benefit of the NHL players going to the Olympics. Um, I don't think there was clearly as much hype with, with them not going after Sochi again. And the, and the players were going to go. And even though it was in Beijing this year, I think you're still excited that it is going to be the best on the best. That said, man, COVID could really wreak its havoc here. And I think, Jeremy, in the end, my gut says, I don't think you're going to see a universal decision for the players not to go to the Olympics. I think you're going to see a mix. I think you're going to see some players like Robin Leonard that have said there is no way that that if I were to get in that situation, I could handle it. There's going to be some that's going to say there's no way I want to even take the chance. Look, I'll give you even a, 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 a microcosm of an example. The next three games in Canada, Joe Vitale and I are going to be working the games remotely like we did all of last year. Part of the reason is, is if you have to test every day, which could potentially happen like we did on that Florida trip. Anybody on the traveling team on that Florida trip was testing every single day. Then if you end up even asymptomatic or get get it while you're up there and potentially get quarantined up there, and I don't know how, how it is to try and cross the border to get home on next to impossible, once you have COVID, I don't want to be up there for Christmas time or potentially New Year's winter class. It's, it's not worth the risk. So so we're not, we're not going. I, now imagine if you're a player thinking, what if I end up getting it like, none of the players testing positive now expected to get it. So what if I end up getting it over there, and you could have to quarantine over there for three to five weeks? That's a hard-as-hell decision. Yeah, and then come back to the NHL and not get paid. Not get your paycheck, because these guys aren't going to get paid if they go over there and get COVID. And so that's why it's become a big issue, Robin Leonard. You mentioned the Vegas goalie says uh, that he's not going to go. And even uh, our friend Alex Petrangelo 
Blues captain uh, now with Vegas, he says the same thing. Curbs, he says, I've got four kids that are under the age of three and a half. For me to potentially be locked up for five weeks plus the Olympics, that's a long time to be with my family. I'm not going to make a decision until we get all the answers because those those are the, the kind that are hard to come by. So we're not all just all sitting and waiting. And and those are the decisions that have to be made. So I again, I, I don't know that we're, we're going to see it unilateral or eventually maybe the PA says, okay, there's enough guys that know it's, it's, not, it's not worth it. You know, and then then there's going to be another scramble, you know, to see how you're going to fill these Olympics and, and how that all, you know, kind of plays out. We're seeing it wreak havoc, wreak havoc right now across the league, too. The league trying to decide how do we cancel games. When you've got the Carolina Hurricanes now having to play two guys short. And we've seen the Blues had to play, at one point going into that last game, three or four games previously they were shorthanded by one. You've seen some teams where their games have been postponed. You know, how many how many players do the Carolina Hurricanes have to have before a game gets postponed? How shorthanded do they have to get? And and so right now, there's even been a level of unfairness around the league. The Blues have had to manage it with two or three guys on a COVID list for the better part of a month. And, and so you almost if you you almost want to be like the Calgary Flames and just say everybody test positive Start now. breathing on each other. Get it, get it now. Yeah. You know, so at least if we're going to be down for 10 days or down for 10 days and they get everybody going, it's it's a situation that it's rearing its head. And as you have said, and as you, you were saying during the break, you know, th- there's a trust factor that could be widening between the players and maybe even the, the direction of the PA or, or the league in terms of the vaccination, in terms of the testing, because the way it's going now isn't necessarily clearing things up. Yeah, just talking to some players, and uh, I think the situation is this. And you can see it from both sides, but from a player perspective, you're told, go get vaccinated and everything should be fine. Now, now we're talking months ago when everybody said, hey, if you get vaccinated, you should be in the clear for a while. So some of these players went and got vaccinated against their wishes, and then now they're coming up with COVID, which we all know that's the case in society, not just in, in pro sports. But secondly, they're told that, hey, I know we didn't like these protocols on the road. You had to stay in your hotel. Well, if you get vaccinated, we won't go back to those. You know, we, we won't have to go back right. to that type of thing. So now these players who got vaccinated to avoid the virus, to avoid the protocols on the road, now they're coming up with covid and now they're instituting the COVID protocols again on the road through the early part of January. And these players are all saying to themselves, listen, we listened to you. And then now, you know, it's not looking like we hoped. Hey, I'm one that has been, I'll call, let's call it COVID smart. I haven't been overly cautious, but I've followed the rules. I followed the recommendations. As soon as I get vaccinated, did. I've actually got the booster a month ago just because I want to be able to go on the road, want to be able to do some things like that. Okay, the idea, for example, of being told as part of these protocols, and I don't know if it's going to happen. No, you can't travel because of this. I go, what, 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 what more could I do? Right. What more could I possibly do? And and the, the reality is nothing. We all know and accept that you're not. It doesn't prevent you from contracting it. Well, actually, it does. It can prevent you from contracting it up to eighty-five percent, if not more. Okay, so there is a chance you could get it if you still get it. Now we know. That in a huge way, like right now in St. Louis, of the 400 and something that are hospitalized, right, 90 of them were vaccinated and none of the 90 have died. Okay, so it's going to prevent you from, for the most part, really good chance of getting hospitalized and then you ain't dying. That's the key. At some point, at some point, the league's going to have to figure out when do we just start to move forward, you know, beyond this. And I, I think they're going to try to get through this wave, Jeremy, get get into January and, and then do some reassessing. But... 
I at that point, I, I don't disagree with the player's approach and the player's thought process. Yeah, and and the thing, though, is if you look at it from the league's perspective, hey, we didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know there's going to be this other variant. Um, but now you look, Curbs, the NHL was kind of criticized for testing these guys every three days because it was putting guys in the COVID protocol that maybe could have made it through asymptomatic without needing to go on the protocol list. And now what's the NBA doing? What's the NFL doing? They're talking about testing every day. It's just gotten to that point where you have to, if if you're if you contract the virus, you got to keep these guys away it. at least for a few days. Absolutely. Well, the bottom line is it's going to impact the schedule a little later on in the show. We'll get into this one. Look, even if the players do not go to the Olympics, I'm not sure filling in that Olympic break schedule with games logistically makes any sense. We'll explain that a little later in the show. All right, let's go from the ice to the pitch. When we come back, we're going to go all the way across the pond. Our buddy Jamie Reed is going to join us. Find out. They're dealing with this over there, too. You know, I have to show a COVID passport just to even get into any event of 10,000 or more in England right now. They're dealing with us over there. I don't know if you guys saw the reports this morning, too, but according to some sources over in, I think it was the Premier League over in England, uh, some clubs are wanting to push for a pause until the new year because they're dealing with such a right, well, pandemic issue. Yeah, let's let's go across the pond. Let's pull in Jamie Reed from Fulham FC and get his thoughts on what's going on over there. Plus, Tim Ream, Anthony Robinson, and a lot more. It's all coming up on 101 ESPN. They are St. Louis. It's BK and Ferrario, live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. All right, we welcome you back in as we effort Jamie uh, Reed. We may b- bump him back as we, we have uh, just connecting, trying to connect some th- phones over a long body of water. Sometimes it'll cause some problem, which is really kind of fascinating in and of itself when you think about it. Hey, you, you were. We'll, we'll get to that here in, in just a minute as we, we can should try it. And if not, we'll, we'll line him up for a segment here coming up over the next little bit. Or we can call Butterfinger. We, yeah, we're gonna. No, I'm gonna save that for the one o'clock hour. We got to because you, you know, I think almost. I almost feel like we have to reenact it. We have to have somebody bring in a Butterfinger, so we can legitimately then say, "Hey, somebody stole my Butterfinger, and here's where I'm at," and and see exactly what happens there. Um, I, I want to go back to uh, the the COVID situation has wreaked havoc on the Blues, at, along with injuries. What's intriguing about this whole thing, too, is how it's played into the salary cap. And you got over 15 teams in the league that are butted right up against the cap. There's, there's no room for this. I'm, I am still surprised. I am still greatly surprised that um, the league didn't work in any kind of COVID room for the salary cap this year. That one is the one that I do think if there is going to be a change in the second half of the season, and I do realize it would be unfair. I realize it would be grossly unfair to the teams that have already had to either play shorthanded, I think you still have to. If that if you change anything right now, that's the one you've got to change. Well, could it be unfair for two reasons, though? And, and you know, I think that they need to make some sort of an adjustment with the cap for the guys who are on COVID. But would it be unfair for not only the reason that some teams like the Blues have already had to go through it and figure it out, but also, Curbs, what about the general managers this past offseason who said, look, I don't think COVID's over. I'm not going to spend to the cap. I'm going to give myself five, six million dollars in wiggle room. They've had some COVID cases and they've been able to deal with it roster wise because they left themselves that wiggle room. Can they sit there and say, well, tough luck for these teams that have spent to the cap in the offseason? That's that's the challenge. 
That that is the challenge, especially since teams knew going in that that this could be the case. However, in the flat cap situation that they're in, it would, would have been hard for some of these teams to even peel back or go backwards. Go backwards on it. That said, the Blues have really come out of this really well. They're coming out of out of. They're going to have Jordan Bennington back for Friday night. At least the, the opportunity to play them. The the kids have come up from Springfield and, and played well. And this team has now found, I think, a style of play that they know they need to be successful. The real question, Jeremy, comes is can they, when they get the guys back in the lineup, do the guys coming back in the lineup want to keep that style of play going? It's a great question. And, you know, normally, Curbs, you and I have seen this over the years, when you call up a couple guys, and let alone six of them like they've had, but when you call up a couple guys, they come up from the minor leagues, they want to keep it simple, they want to play what the coach wants them to do, North style like Craig Bruby wants, and and so they play a simple game. And usually it leads to success. We've seen so many times with the Blues where their star players are out, you get a couple guys in, and, and they win a few. I think the Blues have the type of players, even when they're healthy, the Sunquist, those kind of guys, they'll they'll continue to play that style. But we've seen a really physical team here lately. Mm-hmm. Can they keep that up? They have to keep it up. They have to. It ha- the, the, they have to play a physical game. Because you know what's been missing is is some level of identity. What what are you? Are you a skilled team? Or not? The, the physicality has to be part of it. You can't win in the National Hockey League without it. you got to have some high-end skill like the Tampa Bay Lightning have had, but they've also had the ability to bang. And go and and so to me, developing that part of the game has been critical for this hockey team. Yeah, and and look, look, you want to be healthy. You want to have a fourth line of let's say who Barbashev, Sunquist, Bozak. But are they going to play the style, especially with a Sunquist who's coming back from the injury, like you're seeing with Torpchenko the other night? I don't know what you thought right. about him, but he was really thought he played a really good game. Noticeable. I don't know that you're going to get that style of play, even if you are healthy and like the guys who you have in the lineup. Okay. So that leads to the question. Has what you've seen in the last seven games with some of the younger guys coming up given you reason to think that even if you had the full option of health, should your roster look different? Well, I think you can, you can ask that question, but that's kind of like uh, what do you do with Lingren and and and. Do you play him Friday night? Do you ride his hot hand no, to me? The starting goal yeah, I think you do too. And I'm sure we'll talk about that throughout the show here. Uh, but to me, like, are, are we asking the question, do you keep a, a Walker and a, you know, Logan Brown and a who, whoever else you want to say into the lineup at the expense of some of these other guys? The answer is it's not going to happen. It, I mean, this, it won't happen. You're this not going to completely turn league, it over. a numbers right. league, so on and so forth. It's not going to happen. And, and you know, you'll, you, you would have to move, you know, certain guys out to make that happen. But you do now know that you have the depth and the style of play of, of what it takes. That's the way you to, have to, to find the points, it. and that and that is the way you have to play. See, my biggest question going into the season was, how do you how do you get everybody to accept the ice time that's going to come when you're as deep as the Blues are? Because when healthy, I don't. I really believe this. I, I still believe it. When healthy, there's no deeper team in the National Hockey League. But that depth does not mean success necessarily unless everybody accepts unless there's the buy-in that is exactly right and i'm not sure beyond those first five games of the year that that buy-in was happening you call guys up from the minors like they have and these guys know exactly what they're being asked to do and they're going to do it because they want to play as many games as they can and look at the results you're having and so to me that's a huge that's a huge part of this is when guys come back in the lineup can they get that buy Well and that's when it comes down to Craig Bruby and his coaching staff keeping an eye on that ice time and taking it away if if uh if they're not playing the way they want them to play. For example, I'll use Vladimir Tarasenko, you know, when everybody's healthy, he's playing a third line. He's playing 13 minutes, 14 minutes, you know, sometimes not even 
that much. And that game, that what, Carolina, no shots on goal, no attempts on goal? No attempts. What's Craig Bruby say after the game? We're going to talk to him about it. And so I think we've seen a little bit of a different Vladdy since then. And and you've had to. That that line is, uh, is on the top of the show when Tanner played some of the highlights. That line has been really good. And one of the things that I talked to Ivan Barbashev about about two weeks ago was I was actually asking him about Clem Costin and coming over having grown up in Russia, learning the Russian style of hockey, which we all very well know, much more puck control, circle, create two-on-ones on the ice, uh, almost for lack of a better way to put it, almost a triangle offense on ice in some way, shape, or form when you really think about it. And they, and asking about that, I said that doesn't necessarily translate to the North American style. Now, Ivan is one of those guys found a way to translate his game to the North American style. Can Clem Costin do that? Can he become more of that simple straight north-south, put the puck where you need to put it kind of thing, and then and go through it? So uh, this, this to me is one of those things. Now you put the Russian line together, and they start playing. Well, one of the things Ivan Barbashev talked to me about was actually where they noticed the real difference on the ice is the communication. Yep. They're communicating in Russian. They don't. They don't use a word like they can say some of the, some of the words in Russian. They're more interested. They don't actually have to think about the translation of the word from time to time, and that has made a huge difference. Yeah, on the fly. And I talked to a little uh, Ivan a little bit uh, yesterday too, and he said the other thing is uh, they're making plays for each other curbs. And sometimes you have you put guys on lines together, and there's a little bit of individualism. And this group, the three of them, I think they want to play together, so it leads to them helping each other. And Craig Burby said it on 101, I think it was a fast lane a couple days ago, Curbs. He said he believes that Barbashev pulls Tarasenko in the way Ivan Barbashev plays. And if Tarasenko is excited about playing with these guys and, hey, you know, a byproduct of that is is Barbashev pulling them in, then now you're getting the best part of Tarasenko. He is uh, he is without a doubt, w- without a doubt, the absolute workhorse of of that line. You know, he's, he's the line that makes it happen. Joe and I keep saying this every single game. It, it, it's become a running line. We're going to make this happen. Normally, about once a game, when Ivan makes an Ivan play, we go, Gee, man, we, we got to sell more Barbershop jerseys. You have to. Yeah. And we keep going. So somebody, and I, I came up with a promotion here. We pick a game in January. We make a bunch of Ivan Barbashev jerseys, and we sell them. And we, you, you get, not only when you buy the jersey, then you get a ticket into the Ivan section. And see how many rows of Barbashev jerseys we could put together for one game. <laughs> That's great. And give anybody, anybody that already has a Barbashev jersey, we'll give them an opportunity to sit in this section too. Well, Curbs, I got a story here where uh, these fans who have the 49 Barbashev jersey almost had to change it a couple years ago. Ivan was asked in the Q&A at The Athletic, uh, why the number 49? And he said, well, that's what they gave me, which is what a lot of players say. Right. But he followed that up by saying a couple years ago, we're talking 2017, 18, he was going to change it. He was going to change it to number 22. But he gets a phone call from the equipment manager at the time. I think uh, Joel Farnsworth, he said, yep. gave him a call, former equipment manager. And he said, hey, listen, we got a veteran coming in who's going to take your number 22, the one you want to change to. So you'll have to stick with 49. Turns out it's Chris Thorburn comes in, takes number 22. <laughs> Barbashev and Thorburn become good buddies and Thorbs goes I had no idea Barbie I would have let you have it and he said no no big deal so now he sticks with 49 that's 
That is uh, 49 is his number. We got to sell some barbershop jerseys. We'll take a break. Come back in a moment. Look, we're still going to try to effort Jamie Reed. We'll get to him. We'll find out when we can get him on the show here uh, before 2 o'clock, before Jeremy Rutherford and I are out. But in the meantime, we're going to come back, and it's time for questions and answers. You ask them, we'll try and answer them. We don't know if we'll be right. We'll try and answer them on 101 ESPN. You've got questions. We may have the answers. Maybe text now to 65780. It's BK and Ferrario's questions and answers on 101 ESPN. Question and answer time here on 101 ESPN. Chris Kerber, Jeremy Rutherford, along with Tanner Hendrickson. As Jeremy and I fill in for BK and Ferrario for one more day. Blue Stars tomorrow night. Your first Community Credit Union pregame show, 6 o'clock. Face-off at 7 o'clock. And what a rematch that should be. What do you should got? Should be a good one. Real good uh, effort by the Blues the other night. Good game tomorrow night at Enterprise Center. I was just going to tell that funny quick story. You and I were at a local establishment uh, several years ago. You're talking about the Blues playing tomorrow night. Therefore, yeah. you need to be at Enterprise Center to do your job to call the yes. Blues game. And so, right. so Curbs and I are at an establishment here in town a few years ago. And the guy, the waiter, says, uh, you guys want me to put the Blues game on? And Curb says, oh, yeah. uh, where were we? Where was uh, Helen Fitzgerald. That's right. Yeah. Yes, it was. And Curb said, no, they're not playing. The guy goes, well, I'll check to see if they're playing. And Curb goes, uh, buddy, I can tell you they're not playing. <laughs> I think I said to him at the time, they go, I'm pretty sure they're not playing. <laughs> I forgot about that. that. That was awesome. All right. Question and answer time. This is easier than uh, doing the fight for character or something like that because if you don't know the answer, you can bully your way through it. And you don't have to look stupid. So this is a good segment for us, Jeremy. That'll be good. Yeah. All right, Tanner, what do we got? Uh, from the 618, guys, I saw Jordan Pennington was back at practice today. How do you think the Blues will manage his workload coming off the COVID list? Well, uh, that is a good question. I, I would expect him to play three or four out of every five games, especially with Billy Huso on the back. I think you should feel that you've got the confidence that if you have to put Charlie Lindgren in, but even when healthy, they were playing him. You know, three or four out of every five. So to me, I, I think coming back, if if, if the energy's there, that's his, that should be his workload. Yeah. He's your starting goaltender. He's it. And not just this year. He's signed a six-year deal. I mean, so if you want to say Jordan Bennington tells you that I'm healthy and ready to go, and you say, yeah, we're going to go with Charlie here, I, you know, I don't know. So I get it. You know, people are going to say, play Charlie Lindgren. He's, he's looked great. If Jordan Bennington tells me he's ready to go, I got him in the lineup. What do you got? Let's roll. From the 573. Has the Blues D played up to their top level, or do you see the guy, Do you guys think there is more to see from them? Not even close, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would say if I would say they haven't even. I, I think in the last game against Dallas, they looked much more about what they could be looking like on a nightly basis or what they should look like. But no, I don't think you've seen that anywhere near enough this season. And what's changed here lately? I can point to one thing: Colton Pareko's played a lot better. Not to put it on him. I'm just saying he's been really good. So here's 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 a question for you. Colton Pareko's biggest weapon is blank. His skating. Bingo. Right there. That So initially you, you want to think, okay, it's his shot. He's got this heavy bomb of a shot. We just don't see him use it enough. I don't know that he will ever. It, it, it just doesn't seem to be that's part of a game that wants to come. Uh, uh, clearly his size Okay, so the ability to poke stick. But he single-handedly can be his own breakout play. 
And when he starts skating, guys can't touch him. He almost never turns the puck over when he's skating it out. The, the beginning part of this season, you would watch him get the puck in his own zone and he'd stand there with it, sometimes circle back between the, behind the net, and you'd wait for the forwards to come out and do the line change for a breakout. But that also allowed the other team to get set up defensively. In the last couple games, he's been getting that puck, and, and our defense too. They've been skating up with it, so when guys are changing, they're now coming immediately into the offensive zone where you've already started to create a little bit of havoc and maybe you create a forecheck there. So to me, that aggressiveness by the D is absolutely key. Colton Pareko's skating, to me, may be his biggest weapon because as a big man, he can move that puck. Two goals in the last four games. Both goals were scored right next to the net. He, he's yeah. he's up ice. Uh, Tory Krug and, and Justin Falk, you get them back together. I think that's why the D's played better. And you can't overlook the fact that they have Nico Mikula up there in that top pair with Pareko. From the 618, do you guys think when slash if the Blues get fully healthy, they would try to move Vladimir Tarasenko for a top four defenseman? It depends if one's available to me. You know, the trade request is still in place. I think that, I think, I personally think that it probably won't happen until the offseason. But if this team is truly a contender and they're a defenseman away, if Doug Armstrong has a deal out there that that he can make that helps the team, I think he'll do it. I think that uh, that'll come in the offseason. You've been all over this story. I don't have anything to add when it comes to the, the, the trade aspect of things. I will say, and you've heard me say it right from the start when you broke the story. I, For a guy that controls at least which one of ten possible teams he could go to, where are you going to go that you get a better chance than this? Where? I mean, I so I... I mean... You'd have to one out so bad or think that your situation is so bad and unlivable right now to think that, one, you're going to go to, that that you're going to demand a trade, say, no, I still want out right now. You're not going to a better team. That that ain't happening. I I can't imagine. And and two, uh, with a chance to win, and I, I can't imagine how he wouldn't be having fun with this group of guys. So yeah, I, I, yeah. I agree with you. I, I, I've said all along that I thought he was going to be here. Once the season started, I didn't know how that was going to go. I still I stand by that. I don't know how that will all play out. Uh, but I, I easily see a situation where playing this year out with the St. Louis Blues makes the most sense, frankly, not only for the St. Louis Blues, but for him. Yeah. I agree with you. I think it could be a case now, Curbs, of just standing your ground. Hey, we asked for this trade. You know, we're not changing our mind. As much fun as he's having. And look, he, he looks like he's having a blast with uh, Buchnevich and, and Barbashev. You know, you got a couple Russians on the team, Clem Costin. You know, things are going well. It looks like there's a lot of friendship there. But, you know, I think he's he's standing his ground. One more here from the 636. I think this is a great question. Of all the Blues players who have worn the note, who do you wish would have won the cup in the blue note? while playing Brett Hall for me for me I'd have honestly I'd say Brett Hall Brett Hall did so much for the game of hockey as an absolute superstar while he was here that to me and then watching how Brett reacted and his reaction to this franchise winning it what he and, and not just and I'm, I'm, I'm not talking the party and part of it, but what he said beforehand, what he has said after, 
it meant so you could see just this franchise winning seemed to mean and connect so much to him. I, I wish he would have won it here. Yeah, he did the most for the organization in terms of popularity. And so, yeah, to see him win it in the Blue Note would have been great. Curbs, I did see him uh, early, early that morning of the parade, and you were right. He was raring and ready to go. And, and I know you don't want to talk about the fun and the partying and stuff like that, but since we have you here right here, you were the one who had to go to the podium and say, okay, Brett Hall. I did. <laughs> After the win went blues. Yes. <laughs> that was... <laughs> did you have to go I'm, cut him off or was his time up or did he make it up or what? We didn't, we didn't have the Oscar music. <laughs> it, it, let's just say, I, I, I think yes and yes. Kurt <laughs> okay. could get him. Yes. He, yeah, I, went, I looked at, there, there was no, nobody was supposed to be allowed on stage. And I looked at the police officer that was guarding us. I said, I go, thought we said no one was supposed to go on stage. And the, the police officer goes, it's Brett's freaking <laughs> hall. <laughs> okay. All right. Oh, yeah, okay. it's, it's like I'm watching that uh, Beatles documentary on Apple, uh, and it's 1979, and the cops show up to get them down off the roof. It's like I get, I get told, I get told to go up and get them, and I went, "Are you serious? Yeah, How, what do you want me to do now? It's yeah. Brad Hall." <laughs> no, and and then and then and look, and then it added to the legend. But but I, I mean, I, honestly, away from that, away from yeah. that, I just I can honestly tell you the pride he had yeah. in this team winning it. I, if, if there was. If there was any, and then look, I don't know, I know the easy thing would would be to say Bobby, you know, right. Plager, yeah, I thought about that, Jimmy too. Roberts, you know, Al Arbor, you know, go to some of those, uh, Bernie Federico, Bernie Federico, you know, to see, have, you know, Bernie who could have lifted the cup, or you know, he and Brian Sutter, they turned the, they they turned, Bernie Federico and Brian Sutter turned a franchise around. And that led to 25 straight years of making the playoffs. Yeah, and they did it right before Holly came. So to I town. answered, I answered awfully quickly. So yeah, I. The question was for one. I got to stick with, with, with Brett Hall, but yeah, but I put Bernie, Bernie and Sutter right, right next to it. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right, that's a good one for questions and answers. Uh, don't forget, you uh, can leave a Rhino Shield mic drop anytime you want on the 101 ESPN app. We touched on this a little bit in the last segment, and we're going to uh, we're going to go back to this a little bit, but from from a different angle. We talked about the St. Louis Blues having depth, but with what we're seeing right now. Is it a fair question to ask, do they have the right depth? And how do they get it? Back in a moment, 101 ESPN. We're right back to more of it. It's BK and Ferrario, live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. One of the things or the main thing that derails a deep team is ego. That's because uh, everybody wants to have depth, but it comes with shared ice time. Shared ice time comes with shared power play time. It comes with shared time killing games, uh, you know, yep. and it's it's difficult. And I really think now it's it's the, the, the vision that we can have for our, for our, our veteran players to accept these guys and allow them to grow. It's only going to make their jobs easier. And I think they've done a really good job at it. That is the voice of Doug Armstrong, who joined us last week, actually last Friday on BK and Ferrario when we were live out at the EMB Granite Studio at Centene Community Ice Center. So the question that I posed, Jeremy, going into the break is the Blues we knew were deep. And even at the beginning of the year when it was just one or two guys out, you know they were deep. And you're going, man, like, 
I mean, you have, you have to literally defend hard against any one of these lines because any one of these lines can put it into and in, in put the net, puck into the net. That said, the real question was: Will like in, in certain games, would a guy that's used to playing on the second line be okay playing third line minutes? Would a guy being okay being taken off of the top power play unit might not even be on the second power play unit for a few games because the other unit's going and you have enough people to, to keep it rolling. How you manage the egos as this coaching staff is critically important. But what we've seen with the last few games and the Blues develop somewhat back to that Blues style of hockey that you're used to seeing under under Craig Berube, frankly, that we've seen for over 10 years now since Ken Hitchcock took over. And and now that you've seen some bigger bodies back in the lineup, whether it be a Torupchenko or what have you, and some of the banging that's been that, that's been able to happen, it's not so much now about the depth that's coming out. Do they have the right depth? You know, and and does that right depth include more younger guys, which could include more young mistakes in tight games? It's complicated, but I think I have the answer here. Is 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 the Blues' style of winning what we saw in 2019? Yes. Is that the way Craig Bruby teams can win hockey? Yes. Do sometimes the roster not match what Craig Bruby wants to do? I think that's true, and Doug Armstrong admitted that last year. He and Craig need to be on the same page in terms of the players that he's bringing in and, and who they're putting out there. But to me, the game has changed a little bit, and while you still need to be physical and we can see the team win game number 28 in Dallas of the season with a lot of minor leaguers who are banging, yes, that's successful. But to me, when you have three scoring lines who, like you just said, they have to defend – there's nothing wrong with that as long as these guys keep the egos in check. And to me, if you're dealing with egos and that's an issue, you're not going to win anyway. We've talked about this, beat this to death, but I'm going to say it for the umpteenth time. The reason they win 2019, Alexander Steen says, yeah, I'll go to the fourth line and play. When, when you have that type of atmosphere and you're not worried about a guy who's on the third line upset that he's playing 13 minutes, to me, that's the bigger issue and something that needs to be in your favor working for you than kind of which style you're playing. I have two swingmen when it comes to this, in my opinion, from a forward standpoint. Braden Shen and Tyler Bozak. Braden Shen is in, what, year two now? Or is this year three? Uh, two. This yeah, is year two of, year. Of, of the seven-year contract he had signed? Eight years. Eight years. So you got six years left. Where you play in the lineup Yes, I know. I know matters greatly to the player, but it, it's not like it's not like. Hey, I got to get kind of numbers this year because I've got. To, I'm a contract. I got a contract coming up next year. Tyler Bozak signs a one year deal. Had some other options. Wanted to stay here in St. Louis. Signed one to stay with St. Louis Blues one more year. He doesn't look like he's done playing the game of hockey. So here's a guy that's going to be playing for a contract for next year, whether that be here or someplace else. I say those two guys. Because both have the skill to play up in the lineup. Both have the skill to play anywhere that's needed. I think what's happened is the growth of Thomas and Cairo has had to force some people out of top six minutes. I just don't think the way you still see Ryan O'Reilly on the faceoff dot and his connection with the way things are going with David Prime, you were going to see that go. You're going to see Pavel Butchnevich in the top six, especially if he's on that line, whether it be with Thomas and and or and Tarasenko or Barbashev and Tarasenko. So that means you're going to have a really skilled third line that, in a lot of ways, is going to likely include either a Brandon Saad and a Jordan Cairo or one of the two, and somebody has to center them. If Braden Shen 
is really intent on staying a centerman, that's where he ends up fitting in. Now, he can go to the wing, but his play on the wing has, has, has never been as efficient for the St. Louis Blues as his time at center. And in all fairness, he's played primarily at, at center. So you just simply look at the way things shake down, and that's that's where the one is. You know, and then if if in a certain game you've got a team, you know, the Russian line's not maybe not going or the Thomas line, whoever ends up centering that one, or maybe another team is keying in and, and Perron and O'Reilly are having a bit of an off night, well, that's then when the Shen, Saad, Cairo, whatever the combination is, gets more minutes. It, it just has to be that way. I throw Bozak in there because Tyler Bozak's one of those swing guys where on this line in this lineup, Tyler Bozak's your fourth line center when healthy. That's, But that's so critically important because late in the game or late in a period, he may go out on the wing with a Braden Shen. He may go out on the wing with an Ivan Barbashev. He may go out on the wing with a Ryan O'Reilly because if one, one of those other centermen gets kicked out, Tyler takes it. Or if the faceoff ends up being on the right side of the ice, Tyler takes it. So to me, that there's his real value. Those two guys have to, you know, that, that could play just about anywhere in the lineup are the ones where the adjustment to me really becomes key because if you see buy-in from those two guys in that situation, how does anybody else argue? Yeah, no, I, th- I how think so. How does anybody so. else argue? I think so. I-, I just think that, you know, if the question is posed, do we need to see a Craig Bruby-style team where, you know, for sure the fourth line, but maybe a little bit the fourth, third line too, has to be a physical line, and it's it's got to come with the forward check? Yes, you want to see that style. But to me, and I'm going back to the line combinations from earlier in the season when everybody's healthy, if it's Barbashev, Thomas, and Ter- uh, Tarasenko on that third line and they're scoring goals, Give me that all day long. Give me the top three lines, nine guys scoring depth ahead of trying to win games banging every night. Okay, I understand what you're saying, but the problem is goes back to to the right type of depth depth. If if guys can't accept ice time or internally get frustrated due to ice time, which is part of it natural because you want to play, then that depth isn't going to equate to what it should equate to anyway. But this isn't about change. I'm not talking about changing out skill guys and putting in grinders. What I'm saying is there's definitely, without a doubt, been a lack of physicality. We have seen teams more times than not maybe dictate the pace of play, dictate the physicality on the Blues versus what we saw the other night against the Dallas Stars. To me, in the Western conference you still need a heavy style of game to play and that's where I'm wondering if the recent success shows hey the type of depth you have actually makes you you may not be as skilled but actually makes you a better team you're 100% right but this is what I've been saying since the Chicago Blackhawks won three Stanley Cups yes you need to be physical they weren't the Chicago Blackhawks weren't because they had scoring depth and they had a lot of skill, and guess what? It didn't matter if you hit them because they were winning four to one. So you score goals, yep, and you fair. have that scoring depth. Then you don't need to worry about you know wave after wave pounding guys. Well, then the problem is though, we're not holding teams to just one goal. Now we have done a much better job in three of the last four games. But prior to that, when you had played when you had played twenty five games and allowed three or more goals in eighteen of them. Like defensively, there's another issue, and that's not just on your defense. That's on that's on kind of the whole unit out there. And we will see. All right, Joe Vitale joining us next on BK and Ferrari on 101 ESPN. 
We're talking blues hockey. It's the Joey Vitale Report on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by The Electrical Connection. When you need quality electrical work for your home or business, visit electricalconnection.org. Welcome back into BK and Ferrari on 101 ESPN. Chris Kerber, Jeremy Rutherford filling in on a Thursday. We got blues, we got stars tomorrow. And let's head out to the bread man who joins a BK and Ferrari every single Thursday during the course of the season, right about this time. Joey, what's cooking? Kerbs, what's going on? Not much. Beautiful day here in St. Louis. Getting geared for Christmas. Looking forward to another game tomorrow night. Uh, family's well. Can't complain. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. Now, when we were just in Dallas... You took some time and you you went and found a, a certain kind of flour that you like to use to make your bread. And what happened was for the fans out there, Joe gets on the bus, uh, you know, as we're heading, you know, leading, leaving the rink in Dallas, and he's got his bag and it's just not closed. And I said, Joe, you know, like if you're going to pack that much, you should get a bigger bag so you could actually close the bag. And he goes, No, I got flour in here. <laughs> you know, so so somewhere along the way, you found a special flour that you like from down in Dallas. Yeah, stone stone ground, stone ground milled. That's that's the key, right? So so it's kind of rare, but you want to find uh stone ground milled flour. And the reason you don't see a lot of it is is because it takes too long. It's a very it's like two stones that kind of crush crush the kernel together against each other, and it's a slow process. But nowadays, flour is milled with these high-powered tanks and these to, to speed up the process. Now, the problem with speeding up the process is it generates a lot of heat, and when you when you light a lot of heat into the kernel of the wheat berry, what happens? You oxidize it, and you actually lose a lot of the nutrition. So, a lot of the germ and a lot of the kernel actually the, the nutrition kind of evaporates in the process because of the high-powered heat. So, these stone ground mills pretty fascinating stuff it's an old school way it's how they used to crush uh, wheat berries they used to they used to do it this way to kind of get the, the, the flour consistency right because you know back back 2000 4000 10,000 years ago they were out farming and they found these wheat berries and they said well these are kind of fun we see the, we see the animals eating these and they, they chuck them in their mouth and what do wheat berries taste like they taste like little pebbles little rocks they can't they can't break into them right so they would spit them out and then some, um, some Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci of, of Leonardo da Vinci of his time, would take these wheat berries and say, "Well, we can't chew them. What if we crush them?" So they started crushing them, and they made flour. And then they'd kind of taste it and, pugh, 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 and they spit it out. And like that tastes like that tastes like crud. We can't eat this. And they said, "Well, how about we mix some water with it?" So they mixed some water and they made a paste. Well, that was oatmeal. That's what we know today as porridge, right? And then, and then it moved on from there. And then it kind of kept evolving. And then one guy left the porridge out all night, and it spoiled. And it was all kind of rotten the next day, like, oh, so bacteria had gotten the porridge. And then another Renaissance guy said, well, if we can't eat it, heck, let's throw it in the fire. We'll bake it. Boom. First loaf of bread. End of story. Our guest on NPR is scientist <laughs> Joe Vitale. Joe, um, we also want to talk about protons and neutrons here. <laughs> I don't even know where to go with this. Hey, Joe, my question after all that is, you know, I know when I'm going to San Francisco or Blues have a game out in San Jose, I'm going to get some chocolate or something. Did you go to Dallas knowing you were going to get, here, I wrote this down, stone-grilled milled flour, or did you just stumble on it? 
No, no, no. I always know where all the best stone ground flour is, JR. It's uh, I spread out across across the country. Whenever we land in certain places, you know, listen, a lot of guys have their favorite restaurants. A lot of guys have their, you know, favorite comic shop. Uh, Curbs probably gets geeked up about maybe a Star Wars store around the corner or something like that. No, no. For me, for me, for me on the road, it's a bar. It's a bar. Okay, it's a bar. And uh, for me, it's just it's finding the good flower on the road. It's, it's, it's a lost art. A lot of artisans across the country still do this kind of style of, of flower. And I'm telling you right now, it's, it's worth it, man. It's completely worth it. It's, it's, it's a difference of whether you grind your own coffee beans and you do it the right, the right style, the temperatures of water versus just the old, school, the old school pot at the office. It makes a big difference, and I certainly look forward to getting hey, some good flour bringing it home. Wait, wait a minute. Like you just spent thirty minutes of airtime talking about the history of bread, and you're going to rip on the fact that I'm a fan of Star Wars. <laughs> Good point. There. Whoa. I mean, well, I mean, is that, all, that that really, really? First of all, it wasn't thirty I mean, here's, minutes. Listen, that here's, was, here's, here's well, that's true. But the next question I got for you is: Have you, since you learned about him on in the last game, have you watched any Foghorn Leghorn? Uh, no, I've not watched Foghorn Leghorn. I darn, I don't know darn. if Looney Tunes is still Aaron. Uh, is Looney Tunes oh, in yeah, color? Oh yeah, no, you can still get it on. You can still get it on the app and all that other stuff. But you've got five kids, so this is a must. Sometimes, sometimes I look at the age difference in us curves. And I think it's only fourteen years. But then you say stuff like that, and it feels like fifty-four years. <laughs> what? Like I'm fifty-four years younger, right? Older, much older, older. much, much, much older. Really, yeah. the the guy that's fifty-four years older is going to be as uh, tuned into cartoons as I can be, right? No, listen, what are you talking about? We got on the plane one time and we were having a discussion with Robert Bortuzzo about the Animaniacs. I remember that. Actually, Bortuzzo's pretty in tune. Uh, he's a pretty intellectual guy, and he knows a lot of history of, of little things you would you would never know about. I would say 20% of the stuff I, I, I spew on the air was probably stuff that Bortz and I were, were, were debating back in the day when we were players together. You know, simple things like, you know, is it legal to get a Starbucks coffee in a Barnes and Noble and pick up a magazine while you enjoy your Starbucks coffee only to put the magazine back. That was a typical one. We actually revisited last road trip. He's like, Hey, remember that time you were talking to me and I thought more about it. Yeah, it's completely legal. I, I think it's fine. I go, really? I go, yeah, me too. But a lot of people would argue the opposite way. But to me, if you get a coffee and you spend six bucks on a Starbucks coffee and it's a part of the Barnes and Noble, to me, the magazine becomes part of the experience. Now, I may put it back, and I know a lot of people may frown upon that, but at the same time, you know what? When you spend that much on coffee, you deserve to look at a nice magazine, enjoy yourself, especially this time of the year, a nice little housekeeping or good housekeeping, where that magazine's called, maybe a, I don't know, a pottery barn, something to put you in the Christmas spirit. Can you imagine, you imagine these two guys when they were rooming together? Hey, uh, Robert, Robert, yeah, sleeping? No, no, not you? No. What's up, hey. what's, what's up Joe? Um, listen, I want to go on a walk tomorrow and find some flour. Want to go? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Joey, Joey, 618. I turned on at the right time. What is Joe talking about? (laughs) Bingo, bingo. I'm telling you, watching watching those guys trying to do long division in Wilkes-Barre was hands down my top five experiences of my life. And listen, I have five kids and I've been married and this still cracks the top five. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Explain that. I don't know this story. Okay, so John Curry at BU is working with Paul Bissonnette, and they're arguing how to do long division. I think it was like a 65 divided, or 3,465 3, divided by like 23. Something like kind of standard. Like my, my daughter's in fifth grade. She's doing this long division. And they started doing this whole thing where, well, uh, with 35 goes into 28, but then it doesn't. Then you got to move over one, but then you got to drop the zero down. 
but then you don't have to drop the next number down if that number goes into it. And they started arguing this whole thing, and, and they could not figure it out. And then uh, Tim Wallace, who went to Notre Dame, I went to, uh, to, to Northeastern. I just got there, so my lips are shut. And they're doing this long division completely wrong, but they are so gung-ho that this is the right way to do it, but they couldn't get the answer right, and these remainders were coming in, in the scene. It was something that I, I, I look back and I wish it was a video camera of, and it just goes to show you that hockey players are meant to play hockey and mathematicians and teachers are meant to teach. <laughs> Amazing. Sometimes I get the impression that when he's on hold getting ready to call in for his hits, he's like, I'm going to do everything I can not to talk about who's got to play Bennington or Lindgren on Friday night. I don't. Hey, that's not true. You guys steered me in this direction. This is your show. <laughs> You know what? You lost me when you when you brought up flower the first question. That was Curbs' fault. When you talk flower the first question, it's no hope from there. <laughs> How many loaves of bread will you make for people at Christmas time? I think I will probably like to top off with like around hundred, around a hundred, I would say. And you only yeah. have one oven at home. Well, my dad, my dad bought one from Germany. He had this this oven, the stone hearth oven, steam injected oven built in Germany. Uh, to put in his basement. They they built it in Germany, they shipped it over. The guys from San Francisco came in, we flew them in, they put this huge oven into the basement. My dad just retired. Uh, he's been working in the construction business for 60 plus years. And he finally retired and he loves baking bread just like me. So we thought, hey, this would be a cool hobby. You know, some some retirees get Corvettes, some some get fishing trips, some whatever, the different hobbies. My dad likes to bake bread, I do too. So it's something we kind of do together. And you know, we got two decks, Stone hearth oven can get up to about 550 degrees, steam injected. I can go on and on about this oven, but we could probably bake at the same time, uh, probably 30, 850 gram loaves of bread. And I tell you, if you don't bake bread out there, everyone loves receiving bread. Give it a shot this Christmas. I'm telling you, it is the most rewarding thing in the world because it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of attention, a lot of details involved with it. And there is no better feeling. I mean this sincerely. There's no better feeling than working days on a loaf of bread and then just handing it to someone as a gift. Like you're giving over a part of yourself. And I know it sounds corny, but it's such a personal thing to me. And then you say, hey, here you go and hope you enjoy it. And uh, who doesn't love bread and butter? It's the last meal of my life whenever that comes. Okay, do you, you bread, put some more butter? Do you leave your butter out? Never. Always cold butter. That that's the lesson of the day. Warm bread, cold butter. It's the contrast, right? It's the John Lennon, Paul McCartney. It's the peanut butter and jelly. It's the salt, the sweet. You got to have cold and you got to have heat, and you got to have salt and you got to have sweet. So warm, warm bread, cold butter. I like gnawing into a big old thing of butter. My daughter, she's one. She loves butter more than anything. We just hand her the whole stick. I hand her the whole stick, and she just gnaws on this thing like a German Shepherd. It's the funniest thing in the world. But uh, that's my girl. That's my girl. You got a little butter. Do you do you unwrap it, or do you just let her eat the wrapper too? Yes, curves. Of course, I unwrap okay, just it. I'm not, a, I'm not an animal. I don't know. You're a Renaissance guy. I didn't know if you found out that there's some nutritional benefit to the wrapper of butter. No, 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 no. But the thing is, she's kind of picky about her butter. Like your European butter, it's got about 86 percent butter fat in it. The American stuff, it's kind of cheap. It's around like 82, 83. That's why European butter tastes better. And that's why when you make croissants and any kind of danishes, you always want to use European butter. It's all about it's all about the fat content. You got to get that fat content up. But she'll she'll gnaw on some Irish butter like like no business. But then if you give her some Nature Valley or any kind of American stuff, she kind of just shoes it away. She's picky. She's a good kid. Joe, what'd you think about Urban Meyer getting fired? <laughs> <laughs> We're on a roll now. We're on a roll now. Don't ask. question. You know what I got out of that whole conversation? I must be 101st on his list if he, if he bakes 100 loaves of bread for people. No, oh, he cares about you. He cares about you. 
He knows you, he knows he knows you're on a carb free diet and have been for the last twenty five years. No carb full. Oh carb full. Yeah. I always get that F word wrong. Yeah. yeah. Come on, GR, that body, you don't put bread in that body. I know uh, that. Come on. Joe, listen, um, we gotta run. It's been good talking with you. It's been great talking. Well, you didn't have to hang up like that on us. <laughs> I think did he really just hang up on us? I think he did. He I did. think I think he might have just hung up on us. That was that that's pretty good. That's even but actually that might be the best way to end an interview right there. We'll take a break. Come back with more in a moment on BK and Ferrario. They are St. Louis. It's BK and Ferrario, live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. Hey, we welcome you back into 101 ESPN. Chris Kerber, Jeremy Rutherford filling in for Brandon and Alex here on a Thursday afternoon in St. Louis. And uh, when, I'll tell you what, when they give me the reins for a couple of days, I'm going overseas. We're going to talk a little soccer. We're going to flip it up. We've been all over the uh, thing on ice. That sport called hockey time now to talk a little soccer. And pleased to be joined by Jamie Reed, who is the analyst for Fulham. You can listen to him and Gentleman Jim if uh, you ever go on to uh, Fulham's website at FulhamFC.com and listen to one of their matches. And he's kind enough to join us from over in London live right now. Jamie how how is life with the three kids, my man? How are you doing? Chris, always busy. Yeah, you know what it's like with uh, children. They keep you uh, entertained and they also keep you nice and busy. So uh, apologies, slightly later than scheduled, but uh, delighted to be here with you both. Man, uh, thrilled to have you on again. Thanks for coming on. As the fans here in St. Louis know, I've become a huge fan of your football club of Fulham through our good buddy Jim Woodcock, who, by the way, he's been a little busy these last couple of days, told me to make sure I tell you hi for him if we did get a chance to connect. But uh, we watching it and just seeing how it's going, it's pretty awesome to see Fulham at the top of the table. Just uh, give us your overall assessment of where your club is right now with the last few games and maybe not as many wins as you would like to have. No, maybe not. I mean, I, I think one thing I'd like to just quickly pick you up on, not my club, our club, Curbs, because we're all in it together. And I like it. We're delighted go. that we've got the, uh, the, the the fan base worldwide. That really does make a massive, massive difference. And I think that's one real positive that, uh, that Fulham has as a club. There's a lot of supporters who really enjoy it stateside and all around the world. And that does mean so much. Four consecutive draws isn't necessarily what the doctor ordered. But if you look at the points return, it's still 45 points from 22 matches, so averaging over two points a game. It's very much looking like championship form. There's a big game coming up against Sheffield United on Monday night. We wait to see if that game will be able to go ahead or not with uh, all the issues that we have with uh, the COVID problems. But the positivity in me and the uh, the good thing amongst the fan base is that uh, the points return is so, so impressive. And there's a two-point gap over Bournemouth in second, which is great. Jamie, we watched. I watched that game against Bournemouth uh, while we were on the road, actually, and and it was a heck of a match. A, a late goal to tie that game one to one against the former Fulham uh, head coach and, and manager in Scott Parker. Now, the one thing that we've seen with the change, and I and I talked to Tim Ream about this a little bit. I think one of the biggest changes we've seen is there's been some enjoyment, some fun brought back into the game, and that's been fueled by the success. But just what exactly has the new coach brought to Fulham that that has made such a big difference for you all? 
he's brought a little bit of va-va-voom. That will be the uh, the first thing I would mention because under Scott Parker, it's a little bit like me when I jump in a car. My wife always tells me, you've got the handbrake on, we could go a little bit faster. That's what the accelerator's <laughs> there for. I don't do it. I don't, uh, you know, I, I, I drive like Miss Daisy. But the positive in me says that... Uh, He's done a wonderful job, Marco Silva. He's brought smiles back to the players' faces. And even though there's been these four draws, there's still a great belief that uh, the team works very hard on the training ground. And I think everybody upon everybody truly believes that the Premier League is beckoning. We're only halfway through the season, but uh, to have the points return that we have at this stage with 13 wins from 22 games, it's very, very impressive. Jamie, Curbs uh, touched on Tim Ream. I'll ask you, how's he doing as the captain? Absolutely brilliant. I think he's one of those who is a great talisman um, for the club, and he's a wonderful character. Tom Kearney's come back in, and they've kind of shared it um, on occasion. But the thing you get with both of them, and certainly Tim, you know, we know what a great character he is, what a great leader he is, and he really has implemented his style of leadership into the whole group. And it's great when you can get somebody like that who cares passionately about the club. It's not just what he does on the field, it's what he does off the field as uh, as an ambassador. It really is a, a tip of the hat to Tim Ream. He's a, uh, he's a fantastic servant for the club. We're talking with Jamie Reed. He's the analyst on the broadcast side for Fulham Football Club over in London. Joins us uh, every so often when I'm co-hosting because, well... I'm co-hosting, and that's my favorite team, so we get to talk about it a little bit. But the best part is, it's because Tim Ream of St. Louis is on it. It's fun to follow. But there's also another really important player that United States soccer fans need to be aware of. And if you haven't been watching the World Cup qualifying, where the U.S. right now is still doing just fine in the World Cup qualifying process, and qualifying here is different. Like, you've already had European teams that have qualified for the World Cup, but there are still several other slates of qualifying matches that the United States is going to have to go to and the next set of matches is going to come at the end of january el salvador is going to be part of that that grouping in in those matches canada canada has been unbelievable on the world stage now for about two years and so a huge head-to-head matchup with canada coming at the end of january anthony robinson uh who's a u.s national that is also playing on defense for fulham uh, he has been out the last couple of games, but for, for fans that don't know about Anthony Robinson, what can you tell us about him, and is he close to getting healthy and back in the lineup, Jamie? Yes, he is. Yeah, he's healthy. He was on the bench for the last outing. Joe Bryan has been sort of filling in because Anthony's been nothing short of spectacular this season. Two goals, two assists, and it's not just what he does in that regard. It's his all-round athleticism, his all-round game. He gets up and down the left side of the pitch for fun. He really is a, a tremendous signing. The club have really sort of benefited from uh, from his style of play. He can get you from the defensive third up to the attacking third so, so quickly. Um, and again, he's just one of those guys who gets the football club. He's had issues, had any health issues. It looked like at one stage he was going to join AC Milan. He had those heart problems and it meant that he couldn't go and play in Serie A. But he's come to join Fulham. And I tell you what, he's another real worthy addition. We've been delighted by his progress and performances that he's put in. Would, would I be off base to and, and totally off my rocker to think that sometimes with the way he can go up the left side of the field and, and as many times as especially when they use him in the attack on the left side, that I really wonder sometimes if he wouldn't be an effective midfielder? 
Yeah, he could play higher up the pitch. I think that's uh, that, that's certainly very true. And um, supporters have said maybe Joe Bryan behind him, Anthony Robinson in front, and, you know, the two of them then can get forward to good effect because Joe gets forward as well. But Anthony's got a great engine on him. He works so, so hard up and down the pitch. And I tell you what, they wear those vests that uh, give them the GPS tracker. He must be through the roof with the amount of effort that he puts in. Jamie, I, uh, when Curb said we were going to have you on today, I, I followed you on Twitter here, and I see your last tweet. Apologies to all the Fulham fans watching, listening, who experienced the bad language from the people behind us. I thought football had moved on. Curbs and I were talking about this. I said, do you ever experience that with hockey? And he said, oh, yes. In the minor leagues, Curbs tell it, uh, a lot of people, it's their goal to get as close to you and try to get on that well, microphone. Okay, when you think about the intimate nature of some of the – soccer stadiums over in london and and you think of you think of also some of the intimate nature of um the, the intimate nature of, of the minor league st- stadiums that i've been in you know when i was doing hockey in the american league so hockey east coast hockey league when you would sit down and you're right next to fans having a microphone right there is almost like a ch- it's like a wet paint don't touch sign <laughs> you know at some point in time they're going to try and figure out how to get on but so sometimes you do pick up things from fans Jamie that uh, on the air we just have to say folks sorry about that that we heard these things yeah indeed i mean it's frustrating and i think the older you are the more maybe not accepting is the right word but you you've heard it before and you kind of understand that it's passionate, and I don't have any issues with uh, with people being passionate because that's why we go. We pay our money as supporters, um, and we get the opportunity to go and cheer on the team. It wasn't about me. Um, it wasn't again. It, it, it was more about children, you know, youngsters. Because you shouldn't be subjected if you're listening to the live stream or watching the live stream and listening to the radio service that we provide on FFC TV. What you want to do is make sure that it's reflective of the fan base and some of the language that was being used by the Luton Town supporters was almost a throwback to a bygone era. It's not what you want to see. Yes, okay, sometimes you get a little bit frustrated and you say things that you shouldn't, but not repeatedly and that's what frustrated me and disappointed me, if you like. I've got two, uh, two more things to, to ask you, if, if it's okay, Jamie, before we let you go. We're talking with Jamie Reed, who's live over in London, uh, works uh, for Fulham. By the way, if you ever want to listen to Jamie do a game, and, and I, I watch as many games as I can, I listen all the time. He's got a great, passionate partner, Gentleman Jim, who, by the way, if, you, if folks out there ever think that that uh, I can get hard on, on, on officiating, you got to listen to Gentleman Jim sometimes because it, it is entertaining and fun to listen to. These guys are just an awesome listen to. And also, if, if you're part of of the FFC TV you know program and, and subscribe to that, then you get these guys you know th- their call over the video for some of the games in the championship. So it's it's an awesome way to, to watch and listen to a game. But that's where I, I want to start with this one real quick. Last thing I'm going to end with Mitrovic, but I want to ask you this: the I love the style of play and kind of the end-to-end action that you see in the championship, which is the Tier 2. It's where you get relegated if you don't, for the fans out there, if you don't finish in the, if, if you don't avoid the bottom three in the Premier League. The bottom three teams every year get relegated to the championship. Top three teams then in the championship. Top two get an automatic promotion to the Premier League, and that's what Fulham is right now. They're the top team in the table, with Bournemouth right behind them, and then the third team wins a playoff to get up. But, but Jamie, I almost love the style and pace of the championship and wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more of that pace in the Premier League. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a wonderful competition. And I think you only have to look at some of the results that you see. 
Fulham go up to Blackburn Rovers on a midweek night and win by seven goals to nil. And you think to yourself, Blackburn Rovers are a pretty decent side. To win 7-0 is a great return. You then see Blackburn Rovers at the weekend beat Bournemouth to a second in the table, as you say, right on the tails of Fulham. And it just goes to show that uh, there's a real uniqueness to the competition. I love the championship. I really do. I guess, in a way, you think to yourself, Fulham have been promoted out of the division in the last two times they've been there. I'm sure it's going to be third time lucky again this season. But, uh, yeah. Hacked up off to uh, the championship. Great competition. Okay, then last thing for you, Jamie, and thank you so much for your time. I know it's about moving on 7, 8 o'clock there and with uh, three beautiful daughters, and and uh, we appreciate you giving us some time here in St. Louis today. But the um, the play of Alexandra Mitrovic this season, folks, if, if you're a fan of Premier League and maybe you're watching it every Sunday, the Fulham has a player that has been with them now for a few years, and he's continued to develop. He's Serbian, and, and he is, he's lit it up. Uh, on the international stage, and finally a huge, massive breakthrough year. And I know he won the Golden Boot two seasons ago in the championship, but the start that he has had this year is amazing. And I can't wait if Fulham is able to get promoted under Marco Silva to see what type of impact Alexander Mitrovic could have at the Premier League level. Well, when you look at it, Mitro scored 22 goals so far this season. We're not even at the Christmas point. He's also weighed in with five assists. He's been nothing short of spectacular. When you consider that he's had uh, health issues with regards to uh, the virus that, uh, that passed around the uh, the training ground, that certainly laid him low for, uh, for a short period of time. And I don't think he's quite been at his best in the last couple of matches. He scored against Luton at the weekend. I very much think that uh, he's back on it again now. He's a key, key player, so dominant in both penalty boxes. And the real positive curbs, and you'll certainly concur with this, players need to enjoy it themselves. If they don't enjoy themselves, I don't think you quite get that level of performance that uh, you might otherwise. Marco Silva has allowed him to uh, have a smile on his face, and he's gone out there, really enjoyed himself, and the goals column shows just how much he's enjoying it. He loves Fulham, as we all do. Jamie, I cannot tell you how much we appreciate you taking a few uh, minutes. Uh, hopefully we increase Fulham's fan base here. I know there's a, a Fulham St. Louis fan club that meets over at Amsterdam Tavern to watch the games whenever possible as well. And it means a lot uh, that I've been able to trade messages with you and continue to learn the game and learn about the club and, and feel as close to it as I've gotten. So I, I appreciate you so much. Merry Christmas to you and your family and and, and everybody over there. And I can't one, one, wait one day. Maybe we get a chance to meet up face-to-face and share a pint together. That, that that will be enjoyable. I absolutely look forward to that. I'd love that. Yeah, we need to get you over to the cottage. I need to come over and see you guys. Thank you very much for the worldwide support. Thanks to all the uh, American Fulham supporters and everybody in St. Louis and the surrounding areas. Thank you very much indeed. Have a great Christmas and New Year, and we look forward to uh, continuing to give you enjoyment. Thank you again. Yep. Thank you, Jamie. That is Jamie Reed from uh, over in London talking some soccer, talking some Fulham FC. And I'm telling you, if you've watched some of the World Cup qualifying that has happened, if you've watched some of that, watch Anthony Robinson. He's he's a left defender. He has speed. He's got some. He's got a terrific left foot to cross the ball, and they use him all the time. Their previous coach Scott Parker 
never pushed the pace. He never pushed the pace. He played more of a sit back and wait, try to win the games one nothing, two one, and that's why they got promoted, got demoted, got promoted, got demoted. Uh, this guy Marco Silva plays an attacking style, and it is a fun style to watch. And this, this kid Anthony Robinson, who was hurt, I would expect him to be back in the lineup at the end of January when the USA has their next three qualifying matches, folks. And I, th- I think he might be wearing twenty one on the U.S. State. I have to double check his number, but anyway, keep keep an eye on him. That, took, that one will be fun. Took everything I had not to ask about Ted Lasso. <laughs> <laughs> actually, actually, we had a, I, I've never even I've never texted him about that. That's that's a, that's that's a good question. It's an awesome show. All right, we'll take a quick break. Come back in a moment. I'm one one ESPN. Let's open it up. The junk drawer with BK and Ferrario. You ever do an interview like that, fellas, Tanner, Jeremy, and go, uh, you know what? I'm definitely don't use the English language the way I probably should. I it's- can't even get the theirs right, so no. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. I was saying to Curbs, you know, forget about the accent for a second. That's something else by itself. But uh, just how formal they talk. Everything's delightful. Everything. It's just, I, I, it's been awesome getting home and, 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 and just, because you know, we work in the world of sports. So the, the chance to be a fan. Is actually, it's been healthy. It's been healthy for me, and in a way, like I just, I'll, I'll tell the story later. But I, about how I picked that team, we got to do the junk drawer. But I, um, I, it's been fun to just be a fan, and uh, and 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 Jamie is just fantastic to talk to, and loves that club so doggone much. All right, junk drawer time. We open it up. It creaks. The dust comes out. Here comes a couple ladybugs. I don't know what the lifespan of a ladybug is, actually, but I think they can live through quite a lot. Uh, Tanner, what's in the junk drawer? I thought you were about to go on a story about ladybugs there for a <laughs> second. but I could. You, by the way, you do not want to. You find ladybugs in your house, get rid of them. You know what we're finding in this junk drawer? Th- those things can multiply. We're finding a gingerbread house in this junk drawer. Oh, oh here we go. Because this family in Utah has yeah. decided, you know what, Christmas decorations on the house? That's not enough. We're going to make our house an actual gingerbread house. Get out. So they've got gumballs up on the roof. They've got I'm not sure this I'm not sure how they like did legit this. Maybe gumball. This just, like could we climb up on the roof and eat it? Uh, are they legit gumballs? No, I don't think they're legit gumballs. Okay. Because right. these things are massive and I don't think they make them that big. Okay. But it's a striking resemblance to a gingerbread house. And there's they must have taken this photo either at the right time or they bought a bunch of fake snow because it looks like the snow on the roof looks like the icing you would put on a uh, gingerbread roof. And they've right. got it on the kind of the window frames as well. Actually, it looks pretty good. I mean, I, I'm not sure I would be down to do this, but, you know, I love Christmas, so why not? Well, I could probably speak for Curbs, too. I mean, both of us over the years have probably had a gingerbread house. The only thing is the gumballs are in the carpet. The graham crackers are all over the floor in the kitchen. I mean, it's not, like, built like a gingerbread house, okay. but all the ingredients okay. are all Okay, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. Okay, first off, to, to, the, to the people that I... I appreciate and applaud anybody's effort to do any kind of decorating outside the house. We, we do it, you know, and, and, and things because I think it just you do that because it when you drive into a subdivision, you see somebody's house, you see a lighted tree just somewhere in the yard. It just there's a level of brightness to it. I, I think it's such a kind thing to do and and people enjoy it. So when you do that, you are without a doubt bringing joy to somebody and know that, so especially the ones that go over. The, there's a house in Manchester. There's a house in Manchester. 
uh, not far from St. Joseph's Church, where they put so much decorations in the yard. It's crazy, but then they synced it up with a little bit of a light show and mm-hmm. put their own frequency radio station in it. Those kind of things. So I appreciate that. But now here's, here's the gingerbread question for you both. Your kids, or Tanner in this case, you make a gingerbread house. Okay, so Tanner leaves here. He goes, what am I going to do today? I'm waiting for people to call me back. I'm working with these pain-in-the-butt show hosts who are trying to get me to call anybody and everybody and think I have a Rolodex, the, you know, the, the size of a library. You know what? I need to, I need to clear my brain. And so his, his zen is to build a gingerbread house. You build this gingerbread house, and let's say it's now. It gets you through Christmas, so you got another two weeks, maybe about halfway, maybe it's almost New Year's, or maybe you've had a few pops, right? And it's New Year's Eve, and you're like, man, I'm hungry. I know you've done this, so don't you dare <laughs> lie to me. I, I would lose that bet. But at some point, you go, okay, I know this gingerbread house has been out there, and that gumball's been on there. At some point, are you trying to eat some of it? <laughs> no. No? I'm not a big gingerbread guy. I'm not big on that, so... I, you'd pick a gumball. You'd pick you'd pick a peppermint I'm off that sure. house. Oh, I'd pick a peppermint for sure. Okay. But I'm not, like, gumballs, not a big fan of those. No juji G- fruits for you? No, not a big fan. Stick to your teeth? Honestly, I would just even hold myself any kind of temptation and just not buy it. Because I know I'm getting rid of it in, like, two weeks no matter what. <laughs> Tanner, I hate to admit this on the air, but when Curb says, I know you'll eat it, he's speaking from experience. I think we came home from a bar, two in the morning, San Jose, late one night, and you're going down the hotel hallway to your room. You know, you're going to get oh, into each your this, room. This is true. Somebody yeah. did not finish their hamburger and left it out on the tray outside their oh. locker room. <laughs> can't leave a hamburger out in front of me on the way to my Wait, did hotel you did, room. Hey, he did he not even. Yes, but he didn't even like take a knife and cut off the bit part. He just picked up the burger and started eating it. Just thank God that they didn't have mustard on it. I'm not a mustard guy. This this reminds me. This, back this to Kurt just a little bit at BK's wedding, too. We were talking. It was you, me, <laughs> uh, your wife, Alex, and his wife were there. I don't know if someone else was with us or not. We're having a conversation, and JR looks me dead in the eyes and goes, I just cannot believe that they're going to have that much of a hamburger left. I'm like, what are you talking about? He, like, points at a table across the way and goes, there's, like, a full hamburger over there. How does somebody even do that? How does somebody leave half a hamburger? I mean, it's a good question, but, you know, you know I don't what? even remember what we were talking about. It wasn't even related to burgers. We, uh, in, in interest of just keeping the show on track, we're going to circle back before the end of the show because we still have to work in Butterfinger and see and call his Butterfinger number. But we're, we're coming back to uh, where we draw the line on that one in a moment. Here, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break. We'll come back in a moment. Uh, there is some news to take, give you after the Blue Skate today. We will get into that here in just a little bit. At one fifteen. I want to tell you about the Be Big campaign. Look. There are 500 kids on a waiting list for Big Brothers, Big Sisters. So, fellas, it's time for you to step up. We need we need some volunteers, and we're going to tell you why. We're going to talk about that with a Big Brother coming up at 115, and then uh, after that, all hell could break loose for the rest of the show. We'll bring you back in a moment on 101 ESPN. We're right back to more of it. It's BK and Ferrario, live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. Benner was, uh, I thought Benner was fine. He made through practice. Uh, obviously, I think he still needs a little bit more time. Um, but um, I have not talked to him since practice is over, so I'll do that. But, uh, I mean, you know, he's out there and he worked hard. I thought he looked okay. That's Craig Berube from practice today as the St. Louis Blues hit the ice over at Centene Community Ice Center. And, uh, 
Of course, I, I think that leads you to think that Charlie Lindgren looks like he could get the nod back in goal tomorrow. And one of the things that Doug Armstrong told us a week ago, and this is also important, the success that the Blues have had over the past week has really allowed them and opened the opportunity to buy a little more time. I mean, look, yeah, there are a lot of teams nipping on your heels, but all of a sudden you're not looking up and realizing you're in fifth place and four points out of a playoff spot, that kind of thing. You're in a really good spot. Charlie Lindgren has been giving you nothing short of terrific play, so you have to feel pretty comfortable right now in what you have right there. And for a goaltender, when you're not allowed to take the ice for 10 days, for any one of these athletes, you know, to come and just get right back in it is just not that easy. I got to think the timing factor is an important piece here. Yeah, it worked out pretty well. And you'd like to say that we're not going to rush a guy back, but, you know, had the Blues gone 1-5 and five in their last six, you know, maybe if even if it's not the coaches, the general manager, it's the players themselves internally, Curbs, feel like they got to get back. Uh, but uh, good news that uh, Charlie Lindgren has played really well, and it looks like uh, he'll get the start tomorrow night. Joining Bennington, according to Craig Bruby, saying that uh, needs a couple more days. Also, just to uh, keep track of of all the injuries, uh, James Neal retweaked his injury. It looks like he could uh, be out a little bit. And then uh, David Perron, according to uh, Luke Korak, Jim Thomas, Tom Timmerman, all the guys who were at practice today and, and reported what uh, happened, uh, David Perron looked really good. And I think we'll see him next week. The first day he's eligible to come back is Tuesday against Ottawa. The Ottawa one, yeah. So when they when they put him on long term IR, that made it, it's a it's a dual pegged factor here. You, it has to be you miss a minimum of 10 games and 24 days. It could be 12 games played in that 24 days, so you then have to miss a total of 12 games. If you're in a lighter part of your schedule and the 24 days covered nine games, well, then you would have to miss one more game. And it has to be both those thresholds uh, that, that that they would have to miss. I'm uh, – man, I'm, I, I'll go off on, on a little bit of, of a tangent here. I – I think that when we talk about the coaching staff, and there's been a lot of discussion lately about how good this coaching staff has done just getting this team through this, and and that's all very much true. I'm going to tell you an area that I don't think that this coaching staff is getting enough credit, and that is the young players. And what I mean by that, it's not just winning when they come into the lineup. It's not finding a way to be successful. I'm going back to the fact that Craig Berube was the head coach with the Chicago Wolves with Jordan Bennington. He was a head coach in the, with the Chicago Wolves with Ivan Barbashev. The year before Craig Berube took over as head coach of the Chicago Wolves, when I talked to uh, to someone in Blues management while we were in Chicago, uh, we were playing in the playoffs that year, I said, do we have anybody down there? He goes, no, not right now. And I go, even this kid that scored 90 goals in juniors? He said, John Anderson's playing him on the fourth line between East Coast Hockey League call-ups. Well, Craig Berube turned him back into a hockey player, and look at what Ivan Barbashev has become. I mean, that's such a critically important piece of a national of a, of a Stanley Cup championship, and then, of course, what this team is. But I'm going to take you real quickly to Jordan Cairo. He comes in. He's a young player, kind of in and out of the lineup. He'd make mistakes. They'd sit him for a few games. You never once heard this coach criticize Jordan Cairo publicly, did you? No. Nope. All those press conferences, Jeremy, you sat in. What did he say? He goes, he's a young player. He's a good player. You just have to have patience and give him some time. And for the most part, the same thing with Robert Thomas, by the way. Robert Thomas, 2019 was his rookie season. He's developed into the kind of player he's developing under Craig Berube, under Steve Vaught, under Mike Van Ryan, and this coaching staff with Jimmy Montgomery, Dave Alexander, and Sean Farrell. And uh, and, and I think you have, to, you have to make sure when people say Sean Farrell, yeah, look, the, the video coach and all the work that those guys do are critically important here, sometimes on the ice with the guys too. So 
I, I look at those two. And, and then I look at the way it's developed. They bring, they call up Logan Brown. I said, we just need, and they said, I'm, I just asked him to use his size. If you get the puck down low, use your hands to hold it. The offense will come. If you get a shot at the net, take it. But just play this way. Look what's happened with Logan Brown. You, you just watch what's coming in. And this coaching staff has shown an ability to continue the development growth of the young players at the National Hockey League level to become critically impactful players. And I'm not sure that's something we've seen for quite a while. Yeah, it's a narrative that I never believed in. And Curbs, you know, I do the chats, I do Twitter, I do all that stuff, and, and you hear people say, uh, you know, Craig Bruby doesn't like to play young players. And I never once believed that because if the if they can play... Nothing ever showed that. Yeah, if they, if they can play, he'll put them in the lineup. And listen, you come up from junior hockey, you got all this skill, you want to score goals, but if you don't play defense, you know, he can't put you out there. It's a liability. And here's the situation is, Curbs, what have we seen last year, for our last uh, t- 10 years from the St. Louis Blues? We've seen... The winning keep up. Doug Armstrong's done a great job of evolving the core and continuing a team that can compete. Well, guess what? That doesn't allow for like some of these other organizations to bring the young kids in and just let them play sink or swim. They got to be able to play. So if Jordan Cairo comes up from the San Antonio Rampage and he's a minus six in the first couple games, you know, they got to sit him down or send him back because this team is in a window to win. And, and, I think they've done a great job. And you know what? I'll go one step further, and I know you were talking about the entire staff, not just Craig Bruby. Curbs, I've never seen it where a practice starts and they're doing their laps around the ice before the drills start. Mike Van Ryan's with this guy. Steve Ott's with this guy. Jim Montgomery's with this guy. Skate. They pick a guy, skate around, talk to him. It's not just the X's and O's. It's the relationships that you create with these guys and build the confidence in them. And lastly, Tanner, I'll pull you this one before we, we take a break real quick. With all the Cardinal stuff that has gone on and all the young guys and things that have, that have been played in there, it's not just a matter of, and, and you can relate these two franchises in this way, it's not just a matter of giving them time to grow. You've got to put them in, in situations to be successful from a confidence standpoint, and that's that's what we we've seen the Blues do, and that's fine. That's what we saw Mike Schilt finally get out out of with the confidence of his players during that run that last month of the season. It's very similar, but you've gotta you've gotta give them the time to be successful and grow. Yeah, you gotta give them the opportunity to play. I mean, you look at uh, Colton Wong is a perfect example that we always go back to. He got kind of it was looking over his shoulder. He was looking over his shoulder during the Mike Matheny. Uh, kind of era. And then Mike Schultz said, you know what, you're going out there, you're going to play, whether you hit, whether you don't hit. As long as you provide good defense, you're going to be in the starting lineup. So what did he do? Colton Wong provided good defense, learned from his playing time, got his at-bats, picked it up from there, got ended up living up to the contract extension that he was given. And now you look at it with Tyler O'Neill. Tyler O'Neill the exact same way. Hey, you're going to be out there every day. We're going to hit you. I think he started fifth in the lineup or sixth in the lineup. He put together an MVP-type season. you got to give the guys an opportunity. I think Harrison Bader's the exact same way. I know Cardinals fans don't want to hear me say that, but he made improvements against right-handed pitching. He made improvements against breaking balls, and he's still providing gold-glove defense. He could be one of those guys that could be maybe a breakout candidate for the Cardinals this year because he's got confidence heading into the year. Dylan Carlson, same way. That was just his rookie year. Imagine what's next for him moving forward. So what you're saying is huh, guys can actually learn to get better while playing at the highest level. Exactly. Uh, they still need that's to a hell that, of though. a concept there. All right, we'll take a break. Come back. Listen, you've heard a lot over the last month and a half, two months, about the 101 ESPN Be Big campaign. 
It's a really important campaign. We need big brothers. We need mentors. And believe it or not, the time commitment, it's really not that much. And I promise you, you're probably going to get more out of it than the match of your little brother or little sister. And we'll talk about it in a moment on 101 ESPN. This is exactly where you want to be listening to us. It's PK and Ferrario live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. All right, we welcome you back into BK and Ferrario. Jeremy, two things. One, uh, we mentioned about stealing that Butterfinger earlier. I think we're going to have to call that hotline number. There's two options, apparently. I'm going to be calling it every you, you day. Could, you could actually <laughs> report yourself. You could actually report yourself for stealing somebody's <laughs> Butterfinger. All right, we'll, 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 we'll tell that to somebody in a minute. That actually happened. All right, cool campaigner. We're going to give away one of the... Uh, 101 things blues fans should do or know before they die. We're going to give away your book, right? Yep, I got a copy of it here. Okay, how are we going to give it away? Yeah, we had an interview with Joey Vitale, your uh, partner on 101 ESPN earlier today, and he said that you guys went down to Dallas, and he picked up some flour and uh, to the 101st texter to tell us what kind of flour that was. And we're looking for three words, so blank, blank, blank flour. If you can text that into us. Be the 101st, you will get a copy That's of impressive. 100 and Things Blues Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. And, heck, I don't care if you keep it or give it as a gift for Christmas. Oh, re-gift it. Yeah. I like it. There's a lot of typos in it, but they'll still like it. All right. Well, let's uh, keep rolling here. You've heard over the last couple months, if you've been listening to 101 ESPN, you've heard a lot about the Be Big campaign. And uh, what the Be Big campaign is, uh, 101 ESPN is teaming up with Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Eastern Missouri. And the goal is, is by the end of the year, to get 101 new bigs. Now, there's a waiting list of 500 kids trying to find a big brother, big sister. It's a mentoring program through Big Brothers, Big Sisters. I have been a big twice uh, over the years, and uh, and we wanted to bring somebody on. John O'Leary is joining us. He's uh, he's part of the board as well for Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Eastern Missouri, but he and his wife have combined, and that's the other thing here is you, you can do this as a couple too, and uh, they have a, the little, in their family is a Travion. And, John, we wanted to kind of take a couple minutes as we head into the holiday season to let everybody know about this program and just how rewarding it is. Thanks for giving us a couple of minutes today. How are you? Hey, Curbs. Hi, JR. How are you guys doing? We're, we're doing fantastic. How long have you been a big brother? So I'm currently matched with my wife, Beth, for a little guy named Calvary. Calvary okay. and I have been matched up for about three years, and he is now 11. He is awesome. You mentioned a name that I love a moment ago, Travion. He and I were matched for about nine years. He's graduated out. He is himself now a father in Atlanta. He's a pastor of a church. He's doing phenomenal things. And part of that is, is going back to to his involvement with Big Brothers Big Sisters. When uh, if our goal here is to get 101 people to sign up and become a Big Brothers uh, Big Brother Big Sister. There's a vetting process uh, that people would obviously expect, but it's a simple one. And if you go to 101 ESPN.com slash be big. We can go ahead and uh, and you, you there's there's a video to watch. You can hear from bigs, you can hear from littles, but it also clicks you to a link to where you could sign up to do it. What would you tell anybody that has thought about, hey, you know what, I've heard about this. Is, is this something I should do? What 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 is the biggest reward that you have found at being part of this program? 
All right. Well, and JR knows my story well. So he and I are buddies online and offline. And when I was a kid myself growing up in St. Louis, I needed bigs in my life to step forward. And after spending five and a half months in hospital, guys like Gino Cavallini used to swing by and visit me and become a dear mentor and friend of mine. And Jack Buck, the broadcaster for the Cardinals, Gene Stallings, the head football coach. But not of, not of the Battle Hawks guys, but of the old Big Reds. So the football Cardinals coach was a big of mine back in the day. And all of those guys, when I needed the most, showed me an example that my life had value, that it was filled with dignity, whether I knew it or not all the time, and that my best days were in front of me. And so as a little guy, I learned these like really important lessons that carried me through difficult days toward far better ones ahead. Now as a big myself, I'm in my mid-40s. I'm married, have four kids, run a business. I'm busy, too busy to serve, you think. And then you sign up for Big Brothers Big Sisters, and you recognize you're not at all. In fact, you were too busy not to get involved, too busy not to serve. You, you think, as you know, Curbs, that you're going to be the one giving to these kids. What always happens is you get so much more from that relationship than you could have ever invested into it. John, it's so great to hear your voice. And uh, Curbs, we, we did a story with John a couple weeks yep. ago at The Athletic. And, and John, I know there's there's no way to kind of tell the condensed version, but this being a sports show and a lot of blues fans listening, tell tell the story about Gino Cavallini visiting your hospital and just how that relationship continues. Well, and this is the role of bigs and littles. So, you know, we have a wonderful big brothers, big sisters of Eastern Missouri here in town. And yet they're not the one that invented mentorship and relationship and love and people around you in life. They just do it really extraordinarily well. And I was the recipient of that kind of relationship as a kid. And so Jerry mentioned it, man. I'm, I'm nine years old. I'm in a hospital bed. I got burned on my entire body. It's 100% of my body that got burned. I'm dying and I'm struggling. And I'm on the bottom rung of the ladder looking up. And uh, on the day that you're referencing, probably Gino Cavallini, who was, a, of course, a great player in the 80s here in St. Louis, comes into the room, he kneels in front of me and says, uh, how you doing, superstar? And from my, my stomach, I look down at him and say, awesome. And it's a freaking lie, man. I'm doing horrible. I'm burned. I'm dying. My fingers have been amputated. My future is cut short. Nothing's good about my situation. And this big of mine, this hockey player, number 17, looks up and says, tell you what, superstar, in tonight's game, I'm going to do something cool for you. I'm, I'm going to score you a goal. And JR, you, you covered this, man. You know the story. I look back and I say, Gino, do us both a favor, man. <laughs> Get in a fight instead. You know, that, that's something, Cavallini, you can pull off, man. You're not a goal scorer, dude. And this guy looks up and says, all right, superstar, if I can't score a goal, I'll get in a fight. And you covered the story, so you know how it goes down. But that night, Gino Cavallini kept the promise to his little, not only getting in a fight, but also scoring what turns out to be the game winner that night bringing all the guys by the hospital. I, I mentioned in the story that they brought a little bit of beer. Gino <laughs> mentioned in your story that they brought a whole lot of beer. So the, the party raged that night. They brought a seven-foot bunny. They signed the hockey stick Gino scored with. It's in my office right behind me right now. In other words, they served as a model of possibility. That's all we do is bigs. You don't do all that much, man. You don't need to be that bright, trust me. You don't need to have that nice of a car, trust me. You just got to be willing to show up and get over yourself and love somebody else. And in doing that, you change their life and yours. And it's even almost better now that over the last year and a half, what 
the world of Zoom and, and FaceTime has opened up to us because sometimes if the schedules get a little crazier, maybe maybe you travel uh, for a living and you're like, you know what, there's a week where I'm just I'm stuck on the road. You can still take, you know, 15, 20 minutes and, and, and use FaceTime to connect with your little. And it, it's such an important way of doing it. And it's look, it's. It's a, a program that's been real close to my heart. I did it when I was in Springfield. I did it, you know, I had a, bit, a little when I was uh, first got back to St. Louis as well. And and if you can do it when you're doing the kind of travel and work that we have in the crazy hours, I'm telling you, folks, it's it's really that easy to do. And if, if you're sitting there maybe with, with a spouse, and, and that's important, or maybe you're looking at your brother and say, hey, you know what? I got an idea. Instead of you buying me a gift this year, me buying you, or instead of exchanging gifts, let's let let's give the gift of time. Let's let's commit our gift to each other. Our gift this year is going to be, you know, four hours a month, one hour once a week to make a difference in somebody's life. And that's exactly what Big Brothers, Big Sisters does. Wouldn't that be a good way to sum it up there, uh, John? It's an awesome way to do it. And, and right now, everyone's thinking I'll do it later. That's a great idea in, in 2023 when I have more time or more money. And I would just invite everybody to recognize you're probably not going to have more time. And you may or may not have more money, but if you have more money, you're going to spend it. So I encourage you, like you just said, Curbs, a moment ago, do it now. It will it will quiet, literally change someone else's life here in our community. And it's going to change yours, too, in a very positive, beneficial, beautiful way. So, John, just transparency here. You know, I hear Curbs do the big commercials on uh, 101 ESPN here, and I'm driving down the road and I listen, and it's something that grabs my heart and says, Jeremy, you should do this, you need to do this. But I do worry about the time constraint. And, you know, I get yanked a bunch of different directions like everybody does. What, if you're me, what's that first step, you know, where you just got to make that one phone call or do something that kind of gets you in that direction? Yeah, well, I, I think you just hinted at exactly what it is. It is that first step. It is picking up the phone or clicking with your mouse and learning a little bit more. And rather than just being inspired, you know, I'm grateful to spend 10 minutes with you guys right now. And I hope it was inspiring for the listeners. But ultimately, if that doesn't lead to action, what was the point? I mean, really, what, what was really the point in this? If it lends itself though, to one guy or two guys or 101 of us men and women listening right now to pick up the phone, take action and say, you know what? I may find myself busy in life. I may find myself unexceptional in some regards, but if I can be part of someone else's life, I'm in. And if I'm being part of someone else's life, it might benefit them as a child or as they progress toward adulthood. Why not? So JR, like you, man, I travel all the time. I'm extremely busy and I'm married and I got four kids and my Mm -hmm. dad's got Parkinson's disease. I got every reason in the world not to do this. And I'm so grateful that 14 years ago, Beth and I signed up. I'm so grateful when Travion graduated out that we re-signed up. This Friday night, we got to cruise down Candy Cane Lane eating Ted Ruse with a tree on top of our car with a little man named Cal in the back of the car. And it was an awesome night for him. But when I dropped him off, our kids just all said to mom and me, Dad, that was awesome. Like, we're so yeah. glad we get to be part of this, too. That's it. John, thanks for uh, sharing your story so we can keep getting the word out and we hopefully uh, reach our goal of 101 bigs in 101 days with our Be Big campaign. Merry Christmas to you and thanks for everything you're doing. Great job, Curbs. Thanks, JR. Have a great night, guys. And uh, folks, that is John O'Leary. Of course, he... Look, he was the alumni. The kid graduates, and then then it comes. Then you become it again. One hundred one ESPN dot com slash be big. One hundred one ESPN dot com slash be big is the website to go to and check it out. And uh, let's see if uh, at Christmas time here we can be the reason that we're taking some of the bigs and littles off the wait list and giving them a positive mentor in their life. When we come back, believe it or not. 
I got a good one for you. Tanner's loaded with some of these beauties as well. Back in a moment on 101 ESPN. You, are you serious? The only reason I I'm playing that, that song. You didn't know that? No. I, the only reason I know that song is because it has the lyrics that we're looking for here, and that's Believe okay. It or Not. All right, do you, okay, so Believe It or Not, that is the th- that was the theme. Okay, first off, the singer was Christopher Cross, the same singer that sang the theme song to the, the great Dudley Moore movie, Chris Arthur. Cross, he's a rapper. Okay, different, yeah. different one. Different one, slightly different musical genre, too. But uh, but it was the theme song to the uh, TV show, The Greatest American Hero, which is kind of like this clumsy, uh, clumsy Superman superhero type thing. And it was it wasn't a cartoon. It was actually like a regular TV show. I forget the actor's name before my time. Called, oh, yes, it, it was before your time. <laughs> I think it lasted a few years, but it was called uh, The Greatest American Hero. All right, was 50. I'm 46. It's before my time, too. Right, you said you had something on text line On real text quick? line real quick yeah, from the 314. Tell them I'm going to do it. I'm going to be a big brother from Mike. Mike, way to go, buddy. That's one, and let's hope we get a lot more for it. I promise you, you are going to uh, really enjoy this process. So, uh, one, again, 101ESPN.com slash big. Thank you for that, Mike. All right, Tanner, believe it or not, what do we got? All right, from the 618, believe it or not, guys, the Blues, if if players go to the Olympics, the Blues will have six or more guys uh, play for their country. I'm going to say not. I just don't think we're going to have – I think some guys are going to say no. I saw today, just to add some uh, reference to this, The Athletic uh, put together among the five powerhouses, Sweden, U.S., Canada, Russia, and I believe Finland was the other one. They had five blues, O'Reilly and Benner for Canada and the Russian line for Russia. Curbs, if everything were COVID-free, we weren't talking about are they going to the Olympics. Well, plus, that's that's five. Six. Did you say six? Six or more. So six or more. So you gave the, those five, right? Yeah, those are five right there okay. for the athletics. Plus Sunquist, Sweden. Sun, Sunquist would have to be on Sweden's team. Would be if, if everything were equal. Yeah. No COVID and everybody's going without a doubt. I, I would absolutely say believe it. Mikalo maybe. I just don't know that if COVID, everyone's going to take that chance. Right. That, that's what. That's why if I put a betting helmet on our believe it or not segment, I'd barely say no on that one. From the 618, believe it or not, the St. Louis Blues will win the Western Conference this year. I hate these. I, I, win the Western Conference, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no. Uh, I, I I think with the games in hand, Colorado's probably gonna jump up uh, on top of that. And to be honest with you. I don't know that it's a great thing to win the Western Conference. I think it's going to be so hard to do that. You might you might do more damage over the 82 games trying to win that than you could in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm not going to believe it. At least that's it. the way I'm yeah. going to reason it in my metal I, head I'd right do here. the same thing. I'm not going to believe it. It's just too difficult. Might as well take the field, you know, the rest of the way. And then also, uh, I know other teams are now going through it, but I think eventually this, you know, playing 11 forwards, which they had to do, don't get me wrong, they had no choice, playing 22 minutes a game, some of these guys, I think at some point it's going to, have, it's going to catch up to them. Okay. From the three one four, believe it or not, St. Louis Blues have uh, Nico Mikola. Excuse me, will become a top four defenseman for the St. Louis Blues. Curbs, I, I like him. I, I really do. And you know, guys can play well for a two week stretch, and then they fall off, and you find out they're a third pair guy. But I just like what he brings, and I think he's going to get better with more games. Yeah, yeah. You know, the challenge with that question is if he plays in a pairing with Colton Pareko, does that make you a top four defenseman? You know, like like right now, I wouldn't say that you, you'd, you'd say he's a top four defenseman for this team. But if he plays on a pairing with your one of your top two, 
in your top two pairings, does that make him a top four defenseman? I, I think he has. I think he has the aggressiveness and the ability to be a, a top four defenseman at, at at some point in time. So, if your top three defensemen are Pareko, Krug, and Falk, who's your fourth guy right now? Regardless of pairs. Regardless of pairs. Yeah, just if you numbered them one to, you know, if you said. Just I, st- I, I still Pareko. think you put Scandell in the mix. He's getting, listen, it's, here's, the, here's the thing. Somebody asked this question. Was this yesterday when we were on the show? Uh, I, think, I think it was. I think it was Mark Saxon that asked the question when it came to um, a Colton Pareko. We, and it might have been when we were off the air, right before the crossover, Tanner. But they, we're having the conversation with Jamie Rivers. And, you know, somebody said, I, and Mark said, I just I would just thought that Colton Pareko would take another step. I know. And you realize he's only in, what, year six? Year seven. And and it takes that long to, to really develop and, it, you know, and get going in the national because I, I guarantee it. Look, Adam Fox won the Norris Trophy, right? Adam Fox is a ton to learn defensively. When 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 PK Subban and Eric Carlson won the Norris Trophy, I guarantee you, I'm not even sure they were in the top ten in the league in terms of top defending defensemen. You know, they, they won it because of the offensive side. Now that's not knocking Adam Fox and, and, and what he could become, or a Kale McCarr, you know, for what he can become. But uh, I, I think it, there's to learn the game defensively. It, it just takes you a little while. So could he become it? Yeah, but yeah, I don't. There's, I think he'd end up still making way too many mistakes in, like I say, a top two role right now. From the six one eight, switch gears just a little bit to basketball, and I'll just tell you now, I'll believe this one will happen. Believe it or not, Illinois will beat Missouri by twenty next week in the Bragging Rights game. Well, I'm not going to believe what you're saying because you're wearing an Indiana Pacers shirt right now. Why would I What's believe that? What's that tie into Illinois? <laughs> because you don't know your basketball. No, it just, means, uh, you know, no, it just means he knows a bad team when he sees oh, it. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Indiana Pacers, they're a they're bad, bad team. team. <laughs> they really shouldn't have been a bad team. The injuries to Oladipo at the time when he started to come on really stalled that franchise, don't you think? I would agree with that. Yeah, especially because like Sabonis, I think took the next step at that time. So yeah, I, I would agree. The Oladipo injury was a killer. I thought honestly, I thought they could have won the the James Harden trade when they got Karis LeVert, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy either. Because I love him when he's healthy. Tanner, believe it or not, there's no way in hell you thought I'd throw that question. I was going to say, Soccer Boy just turned to <laughs> NBA Boy. This is unbelievable. <laughs> Tanner's like, the hell do I do with the rest of the show now? I don't know what the hell's going on. All right, what else you got? Wait, Tanner said, wait, we got to go uh, Illinois twenty over Mizzou. Yeah. Believe it or not. Believe it or not, Illinois will oh. beat Missouri in the bragging rights game by 20. I don't know enough about Illinois to say that. I could. Yeah. Well, I, here, I gotta, I'll give you this. I got to abstain on you. that one. Kansas put up 102 on Missouri and won by like 50. No, I know that. Okay, I well, know. then that's all you need to know. Yeah, but I don't know anything about oh, Illinois. Here, I'll tell yeah. you, Illinois. They could put up 100. Their offense is that good. I don't think you need to know anything about Illinois here. You just got to know about Mizzou. Exactly. Yeah, I think uh, I think that can happen. I'd believe all it. Right. Okay. I would. I would believe it. Uh, there, another one here, last one here from the six one eight. Uh, oh, I think it was yesterday. We were talking curbs about Stephen Curry's record. You know how it's impressed. Maybe one of those could maybe yes. be one that's not broken. Yes. Believe it or not, nobody will ever break Brett Hull's uh, record of most goals in St. Louis Blues franchise history. He's at five hundred and twenty-seven. <sighs> okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna say not. I do believe at some point in time, whether it be the Blues having to go back to the bottom and get a forward with a first overall pick or something like that, I do believe at some point in time uh, the St. Louis Blues will find another goal scorer that pulls it off. And and maybe that's just because I'm hoping. Maybe that's because I'm hoping. So I'll say I, I will say not. When, when I saw this one of um, someone will beat 
Brett Hull's record 527. I was like, man, how close is Vladdy? He's pretty far off. He's at, he's fifth. He's at 227. He's, at 200, he's not even at 250 he's yet. 300 yeah. away. Yeah, and he's a guy I thought, you know, when he came in, that he's going to break it for sure. You know, it's almost like Tiger Woods. You thought he was going to break that. I'm going I'm to say yes because I hope. Yeah. I hope I see a player that, that is that good again. Yeah, that's you. That's, that's a thinking. That's that's my thing. Yeah, just like Jamie earlier. It's our team. You got to pull for our team. Right. That's what you're doing here. You got to yep. pull for somebody to do well. I'm I'm going to say that that record sticks. So I'm not going to believe that okay. somebody passes. All right, listen. We said we'd do this. I've got a believe it or not for you here, Tanner. Okay, I've got one. I said last one though. I know, but I'm I'm, I'm I've got I've got another one for you. Okay, all right. The candy bar Butterfinger. The candy bar Butterfinger got its name because of a sportscaster. Ooh. That seems like it's probably a legitimate thing since you brought it up, so I'll say believe it. All right. Yeah, I'm going with the fact that he brought it up. You just don't pull that out of air. Yeah. yeah. Well, you could have. How about this one? Up. All right. All right. Believe it or not. Unless Eric he's, is, like, Eric. naming his own candy bar over here. Eric Estrada. <laughs> Eric Estrada was one of the pitchmen for Butterfinger. Believe that one or not. I don't know who that is. Dial, I think it, you made dial that, that phone name number up. up for us real quick while we're on the air here. I think you made that name okay. up. You, you, you think I made the name up, Eric Estrada? Yeah. <laughs> okay, that just made the segment, didn't it? That's <laughs> did, better. Did that just absolutely make this segment? We don't even I don't need, need, to, need to call it we, now. We could end the show. <laughs> Curbs, I've known you forever. It just seems like year after year we get older and older when we start talking to these I know. younger guys. So, I mean, that's, that's awesome, though, that he said no. He yeah. thinks I made it up because yeah. there's no way you make up the name Eric Estrada. All right, we got the number? Curbs, I literally just called that number, and it said, sorry, but your phone call cannot be completed this time. You broke the Butterfinger hotline when you called, I called break. it in. Are you seriously pulling that on me now? I just called it. It didn't answer. They, they heard Kerber call, and now they're turning it away. Do, do, do. There's more than one way to skin a cat, Watch especially this. in live radio. He's calling him. Okay, so the Butterfinger actually because of sport. I didn't get that. Put the music down. If you've had your Butterfinger stolen, press one. If you've stolen a Butterfinger, press two. Which one should we press? Let's steal one. To make your holiday special. Detective Alibi is here. So you stole a Butterfinger. <laughs> I don't blame you, but I will catch you. Want us to go easy? Then press 1 on your mobile device, and we'll send you a coupon to give to your victim. Use the hashtag stolen Butterfinger. There's some people that heard that voice and probably heard those numbers and said, uh-oh, what number did we actually <laughs> dial? Okay, so that number is actually real. It does turn out, we'll end it with this, it does turn out that at the time, sport the, they, the, the guy that created the Butterfinger actually developed a baby Ruth. The Butterfinger's been around for over 100 years, and they did a naming contest. It was a candy bar company in Chicago. They did a naming contest, and at the time, sportscasters began using the term Butterfingers to describe players who couldn't hold on to a ball. So a Chicago man who described himself as Klutz submitted the name Butterfinger for the bar, and they won it. And by the way, uh, Eric Estrada... I did not make that name up. They've had Bart Simpson, Top Cat, Seth Green, Eric Estrada, Rob Lowe, and Jamie Presley as some of their things. Eric Estrada was from the TV show Chips. How was I supposed to get that? I don't even know. <laughs> he doesn't know what Chips that is. That sounds like a made-up show anyway, too. <laughs> All right, we're going to YouTube it for him later. We got the crossover coming up next on 101 ESPN. Time now for the crossover on 101 ESPN.
final segment of uh, Jeremy and Chris Kerber filling in for uh, BK and Ferrario. Tanner Hendrickson, big thanks to you for your help over the last couple days. Thanks, T-Bone. Steering the ship and getting us through and not letting us get too far off the rails. With time for the crossover, Brad Thompson slides in as the fast lane's coming up next. Brad, uh, we just realized in such a massive way in the last 30 minutes of the show, it's just one of those realities that continues to slap us in the face. I'm, I'm 50. How old are you, Jeremy? 46. And how old are you? 39. You're, you're 39. Okay. Um, now, you're 39, but do you know who Eric Estrada is? Yeah. Okay, you know yeah, Eric Estrada, right? Yes, okay. Now, Tanner, in, in such amazing fashion for the Believe It or Not segment, plays the Christopher Cross song, Believe It or Not, which was actually used as the theme song for Believe The Greatest American not. Hero, which was a TV show. Okay, and he was, he goes, I had no idea. And then I, I did a thing and said, okay, at one point in time, Eric Estrada was the pitch man for the Candy Bar Butterfinger. He goes, there's no way you made that name up. Like, like <laughs> that, that, that's not a real name. That's when you realize, like, we've hit this point, especially for me. Like, I referenced Foghorn Leghorn in the broadcast the other day, and Joe Vitale goes, who the hell is that? And I'm just I sitting said, going, I said, Joey, what the hell? Right. Right. I mean, the fifty-year, the fifty-five-year-old engineer is falling off his chair laughing. Joe's going, "Who is this?" So, where, where have you guys, at some point in time, realized that you're starting to hit a generational gap as an older individual? With meat, with, with, with uh, our guy, me. Like really? sometimes we'll bring up something, and he's like, yeah, "I don't know that." Like, what are you talking about? You don't know that. You don't know that, that, that like artist or that movie or like. Like, that was before me. Go before, we're not that much different, but we got about a decade between us, you know, so that, that ends up being a gap. And I'm trying. I'm trying my hardest, guys. You guys know this. You have kids. I'm trying to keep up, okay? I'm trying to keep up with the kids, but you're never up. Like, no. you're not, I'm trying to keep up with, a, like, a, who, my son was watching a YouTube video the other day. Like, who is that guy? He's like, dude, you don't know who that exactly. is? Exactly. He's super famous. The guy's name is, like, Mr. Beast yeah, is yeah, his name. Yeah, that's and him. he gives away, like, money and does all kinds of stuff. He's got 30, he has 300 million followers or subscribers. Like, I... I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm living here. the I'm same trying. thing. Yeah, it was like two days ago. My eight-year-old son said, "You don't know Mr. Beast." <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I'm going to work on this yeah. stuff. But yeah, it, it, it happens quickly. And my goal is to not let it happen. But it's a never-ending. I don't think you can. Like I, I thought I was trying real hard, but now I'm realizing, holy smokes! And it's just been in the last few years. You can't. T- Tanner, what was your favorite TV show growing up? I mean, I realize you're still growing up as you're only. It's probably still on. Yeah. What, what 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 is or was your favorite TV show? I don't know. I was into, like, the superhero stuff, so I'd probably say, like, Arrow or something like Damn, that. Damn, I Arrow. just started watching that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's in, it's that's good. It's it's a, that's like one of those ones on the WB, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was a good show. I got to get through that. that Here, was let's a, try it. That was his childhood. Uh, we'll throw one at him that I watched uh, growing up. And this, remember, this is when you didn't couldn't record, so it was like oh, yeah, must watch. Yes, and you had you had the four networks. Yeah, so I knew like... Cable a, was just coming on where, where Nickelodeon was still Mr. Ed and Donna Reed. Exactly. Right. Every Tuesday night at 7 o'clock, I was in front of the TV getting ready to watch Growing Pains. I don't know that one. No? Anybody? Nothing. See, I know of Growing Pains, but I never really... Like, my heyday was Saved by close. the Bell, Family yeah. Matters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, all of those ones okay. were, were kind of... Do right those here. ring a bell to you? I those know those. Uh, the reason I know Saved by the Bell is because we had a... Because right now or something. No, we had a, uh, we had a teacher when I was in high school. It was her favorite show growing up. It's so like when we were doing like projects oh, where it was, we were doing an all-day project, she would turn on reruns that she had on like VCH, whatever that thing is called, tapes, oh, what? And, and we would rewatch them in high school. That's, your, that's the, only, VCR. Oh, that's the okay. only reason I know that show. All right, a TV show rerun. A TV show rerun of, of, of any series that if it's on and, and, and you've got, you don't have to run to kids' practices and stuff, right? If it's on, you're yeah. going to sit and watch it. 
Whose phone is that? Uh, that's, is that's, that's my watch. I Apparently, do, every now and then, I do, talk to my Dick Tracy watch, and I, I don't know why it happens. Too. It'll have yeah. you in the segments all the time. Yeah, yeah the phone's listening. Look, say by the bell is one if that's on, okay. like early right. in the morning. And I, this isn't an old one. Shut up, watch. Well, uh, Curb's watch. I also... Uh, <laughs> you got a great Siri voice here, Brad. This isn't, uh, this isn't like an old one, but anytime this is on, like Criminal Minds, randomly. Oh, I can't Minds watch that on, one. I watch it all the time. I can't watch it. That one messes me up. Does like, it? That one, like, I've watched just about every Law & Order episode. That one, to me... Criminal Minds just messes me up, yeah. yeah All right, what about you, Jeremy? I, you know, I don't watch much of the old stuff these days. Um, it's a lot of newer stuff. Because of the kids? Yeah. Yeah, but, it's, but if an TV. old one was on, if yeah, an old, if an old one, one was on, on, I'm trying to think here. Like, if it just popped on, it'd probably be more of a movie than it would be a TV show. I mean, some of the TV shows Curves would watch. I mean, like Chips, if that popped on, I'd watch that. Okay, yep. MASH, for me, would be an old brand. Yeah, I now, that one, I, I know that one. That one dates... You know MASH. Yeah, well, my dad was a fan of MASH. That's okay. why I know MASH. Hey, if this makes you older fellows feel any better, I've been watching Seinfeld oh. on Netflix now. So. Seinfeld. Okay, that's up. a start. I, I got to tell you, I don't think in my entire life I've watched a whole episode. My uh, wife hates it. Oh, I love Seinfeld. She, 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 goes, it. she goes, it's one of the dumbest shows I've ever seen. <laughs> I, and I, I realize it's I said, comedy so, genius. So if I want to watch Curb Your Enthusiasm, I get to watch it on my own and just drink a beer and watch that it. That's okay, yeah. too, though. It's that, nice that to sounds, have your own That things. sounds cool. What do you guys got coming up on the program today? Look, we uh, well, off the top, we've got a big announcement. Our show is going to be changing a little bit, so we're going to talk about that off the top. What? So, yeah, some big news uh, in the fast lane. Look, we'll break down. We think we got our finger in the Urban Meyer situation, so uh, we know what's happening there. Really, that's how we're going to phrase that yeah, one, huh? I think we know <laughs> At what's... At the bar? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At the bar? What, 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 what... Which finger, Brad? Yeah, well, I think we got all of them <laughs> at this point now that he's out of a job, so we'll break that down. But a lot of good stuff coming in the fast lane today. All so right. when you woke up this morning and saw, did your jaw drop when you saw that he had been fired? No. I, I was <laughs> a little, little bit surprised it didn't happen earlier. I was shocked when Shad Khan came out and said, well, you know, we've been patient with the last two coaches who weren't good at all. Yeah. So they, they did the right thing. Yeah, they absolutely Had did. To. All right, we got the fast lane coming up next. Thanks for giving us your ear for the last few hours. Tanner, once again, big thanks to you for all your help over the last couple of days. Jeremy, have a great afternoon, bud. You too, buddy. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to Geico.com or contact your local agent today.